everyone. Welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity Rewatch podcast. We'll watch an episode each week and join you here to talk about it. And a reminder, could be some spoilers that we mention as we cover this episode because it is not a spoiler-free podcast. Just want to make sure you know that before you jump in. Who am I? I am Melissa, and I'm here with my glorious co-host, Fish. Fish, how are you doing today? I am great. That was some episode. Hmm. Lots of stuff happened there. Sure was. Which episode was it, you may be asking yourself? Well, this was season three, episode two. It was called The Anti-Natalie Intervention. This one originally aired October 11th, 2000. It was written by Jennifer Levin, directed by Jack Bender. Here's the description. Noel's unexpected announcement prompts Felicity and friends to stage an intervention. Meanwhile, Ben's prodigal dad, John Ritter, is in town seeking reconciliation with his son. Elena gets frustrated with Tracy's ban on sex and responds to a sexy student uh, by telling him she doesn't have a boyfriend. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Yep. So those are the things. Those are some of the things we'll talk about today. And where do you you want to start with this one, Fish? Yeah, so we're just, I mean, we're we're still having the documentary stuff going on. So I feel like lots of people are in the same room at the same time. So we're just going to have to start at the beginning Mm -hmm. and move to the end. That sounds like a good order to do it in. Okay, so we are going to get a teaser back in this episode. Obviously, last last time they just jumped right into the credits. This time they're going to do a little scene before the credits, um, as they often do, as they usually do, I would say. So in this case, we're going to get a look at a couple of the neighbors of the ladies in the dorm. There's some boys in their apartment moving some furniture around. Yep. We got a nice jazz song playing in the back as Julie and Megan and Elena are just basically ogling men. Yeah. One in particular that has a towel on that probably actually did have Velcro. I mean, yeah, it was on there good, wasn't it? it? So the task they have them doing is they want their sofa moved to the right place, but they're just going to keep finding a bunch of wrong places for it to be first so they can see them flexing their muscles. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's the current activity. We know one of them will come to know as Finn. The other one, I don't know that we ever got a name for him. Yeah. I don't think we got Finn's name in this one. I just kept calling him towel guy Yeah, in my notes, um, but they're going to co-opt Felicity. They're going to say, hey, Felicity, uh, how's, how's this place look? And she she goes along with it. You know, she's she's ready to just ogle some some guys. But who who stops them? Sean, Sean runs in. He's got something he wants to film. He is going to make them all stars. Well, actually, it's one of the boys that stops them. Finn himself is like, you know what? 
we've got to go to class, but you know how to reach us if you need anything else moved. Yeah. And invites them to come by. Yeah. Right? And he's like, just come by. Yeah. But um, then Sean runs in. He sure does. He's got his camera. You can tell there's something big a brewing here. And he wants to capture it. And who knows how he finds out about all this stuff that's happening. Um, I mean, he seems to be stalking whoever he considers the least stable. Yeah, I guess so. I guess he'd have to be because the chances that Noel called Sean about this <laughs> no. are like zero percent point zero per like it's like zero point zero 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 percent. Yeah. There's no I mean, possibility of Sean finding out from Noel directly. Richard has abandoned uh, Sean and his his documentary, so now it's just Sean sitting outside of Noel and Natalie's apartment, just just sitting there waiting so. for something to happen. That would have to be it. Well, I mean, the big announcement here that Sean's trying to get in ahead of Noel. Yes who has an announcement he wants to make to the women of this apartment. He does. And I will say he, he looks worse. And I don't know whether it's just me with new eyes, but he's, he's looking worse. Okay. He, um, he looks sort of drugged. I mean, he looks happy, but drugged. And, okay. and that seems to be the consensus that um that natalie is some sort of i don't know female opioid okay that seems fair well what's noel's news noel comes in nonchalantly holds up his hand his his left hand because he's got a ring on his hand and he lets just he just lets this sink in for a minute but it's not sinking in. They don't get it. They don't understand what they're looking at or what they're supposed to be looking at. He's like, I'm married. <laughs> Which is the thing he was really communicating the first time. But they didn't get it. So now you get the shock. Yes. And if you see the close up of Felicity's face with just like her mouth open, I will say that's what I look like during several if not many of the scenes throughout this episode. Yeah. Just that, mouth open. Yeah, just sort of the overwhelm of it all. Well, and I think it was also just sort of interesting to see, they were all shocked in their own way, but I think Felicity's shock was sort of the quietest. Um, and yet so, it's like the most shocked. I mean, other people said stuff and she just lost all words. I think you can really see in the way they did this episode, just how singular the bond between Felicity and Noel is yeah. because, because she's the one who's sort of her, her the, the weight of her words and her thoughts seems so much heavier than everybody else's. And even if she's saying the same thing, you can also tell that she knows Noel's going to receive it differently. So she's being very thoughtful with what she's saying and what she's not saying. And it's just all hitting her. Everybody's shocked and upset, but it's hitting her in a way that feels deeper. And I think the camera's trying to pull that out. You know, like, like you're getting all the reactions all the time. It's just, it always feels more important coming from Felicity. 
Yeah, I mean, they dated, they're kind of like best friends for a while there. You know, they went through something like a huge fight and then came back together. Like she knows him in a way that probably very few people do and certainly no one else in the room. Mm -hmm. I mean, Elena knows him as a roommate and they can play, you know, crash together and he can yell at children, but it's not the same. It's not, we never see a moment where Noel shares his four-year plan, his like journal, his hopes, his dreams with Elena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we know that this has impacted Felicity in a big way and Felicity is the type to do some research. So she goes to Javier to do this research because the threat here, the perceived threat is Natalie. Well, it's one of the perceived threats anyway. Um, And so we're going to see this scene between Javier and Felicity where she just kind of wants the scoop. Yeah, I feel like it's it's a little more than that. I mean, she she says, I want to basically I want to get dirt on Natalie so that I can convince Noel he has made a terrible mistake and that's a little bit more than passively gathering information. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if Javier's like the best source here because he's going to be passionate about the things he says, but how useful are any of the things he's going to say? Like but his really first thing think, is like, tell Noel think... to check her scalp for three little sixes. It's like, okay, okay, thanks. But that's probably not it. Yeah. But I also don't think Felicity should be doing this. I mean, the result, you know, it's not, oh, you know, I see that he's married. Let me go, like, manipulate him. Yeah. Like, let me go find someone else to get information to manipulate him. Like, yeah, I think that this episode really, and this is something I'll bring up a little bit later too, but this episode really uh, makes me think about where that line is when you're a friend between when you do something and when you don't, you know, like when it's called for and when it isn't. And I think there's a line and I, and I don't always know where it is to be honest. Um, But I think, you know, this, this feels like it's already done, you know? Yeah. I mean, for me, this feels like it crosses that line. Yeah. At least have a conversation with him before you go looking for dirt to convince him to change his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Javier's, I guess the biggest thing that Javier does is drop the word she's been arrested, but he doesn't have any other information about it. So all she knows is like, at one point she was arrested and then Javier just sort of blames himself. He's like, you know, if not for me, these two (laughs) wouldn't have met to begin with my fault. Yeah. And you know, he also, you know, he, he's been saying how bad Natalie is this whole time. And then when Felicity comes to him and is like, all right, what is actually bad about her? His answer is she's a free spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, she throws caution to the wind. She has need for adventure. Like it stresses her dad out. These are not like malevolent things that would have the mark of the devil on you. Yeah, they're really not. I think that 
it's just a different approach and it's a different lifestyle. And she like, is it compatible for Noel? That's a question, but is it bad in, a, in and of itself? I don't see it as bad. I, I haven't seen anything that she's done even through this episode as yeah. being bad. I mean, if this is the last time we see Natalie, it's not. Okay. Then I will, I will withhold judgment, but up until this point, nothing that Javier has said has yet to make me feel like she's a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I mean, I'm not sure if it's like one more episode that she's in or two, what we're going to see from her at this point is like the unwrap, like the untangling. Um, it's it's not so much that they're like going to be like a really long relationship and we're going to see Ali Landry for lots and lots of episodes, but it's not the very last time we'll see her. Yeah, I mean, unless, you know, Noel goes out and gets a pet rabbit and she cooks it, like, I'm just not seeing the <laughs> the evil, you know, that's going to, like, come out of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, knowing that we both feel that way, now we're going to get a whole, everybody, everybody in the gang is together yeah. at Epstein Bar. And if you're if you're feeling the way we feel about this situation right now, then this might land differently because the idea is that they're all trying to figure out what to do. Yeah, and I do think they do a good job of kind of depicting Noel as being addicted to Natalie. I mean, mm-hmm. just in the way he walks around. Um, so, all right sure you know uh richard is gonna continue to be so richard this entire episode which Mm -hmm. we love he's gonna say you know they're they're he's addicted to her we need to get get them away um i think the premise they start with here too is like natalie is bad news and they all seem to be in some level of agreement that Natalie is bad news. Some of them care about it more than others. <laughs> some of them have different reasons why they think the situation is bad news. I think all of them are sort of thinking what is going on with Noel. This seems weird. This seems strange. It's raising red flags. It's not the same red flag for each person. I think there's a, a definite divide. You, you've got Richard who's just freaking out. Yeah. Right? Freaking He's full out. on, we need to do an intervention. Yeah. You've got Elena who's like, he's brainwashed. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is terrible. You've got Julie who's like, can we just talk about his hair for a minute? Which I agree. Um, Elena and agrees that's a cry for help. Yeah, cry for help. Mm-hmm. And then Ben is the other side. I think on the Ben, I think is he's like we should be minding our business. This is yeah. not our business. We should be minding our own. Except he, I mean, he says we should mind our own business. Immediately followed with, "Why do you care?" To Felicity. So mm-hmm. he, I feel like he's getting like he says mind our own business, but he's also a little bit like being defensive of his and Felicity's relationship. 
But I do think it's consistent. Like the, the, the couple times that we see Ben way and on this, on this issue in this episode, he is very much like, let the guy live his life. Yeah. And, and Megan's even a little further. She first, she's like, you know, BFD, not, not a big problem. And then she's like, I, I like Natalie. She's kind of cool. Um, we have Tracy here coming down on the side of like, look, he's married. Like it's like, this is done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I'll let you talk a little bit about Felicity. She's, she's the one who I think has the most, it, she understands maybe what Noel needs the most and and understands like where the actual problem is yeah everybody else is sort of talking everybody just as you ran through it everybody else is sort of talking about these what to felicity seem like ancillary problems and felicity saying wait 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 the real issue here is that he's quitting college his senior year mm-hmm. and isn't that the thing that we should be addressing i mean this is not the null we know and then we get, you know, agreement for Tracy on that. And, and it does feel like regardless of what you may say about Natalie or the aesthetic, you know, like this is, this is one of those life choices that is really not aligned for, with anything they've ever known about him. And it's, it's a very big, serious decision, what he is making um, taking himself very much off of the track that he had been on, he could still be on that track with Natalie, you know, like in theory, but he's not. So that's the, well, that's her concern in this situation. He could be on that track and be married. Mm -hmm. I don't know that he could be on that track with Natalie. With Natalie. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I mean, in theory, like you could have a partner and that doesn't have to stop you from finishing out your college career. Um, Like Ruby. Yeah. So, and then Megan's going to, she's going to have an about face here. She's going to be like, oh, wait a minute. This is, this is a BF deal. Yeah. She's like, Jacob Perlmutter. I was like, what? And we just, she just realizes like, oh my gosh, he's this guy I knew. He was a Hasidic, he was a Hasidic Jew who was hanging out with the Wiccans and he couldn't roll. He couldn't move at the speed of the Wiccans and he lost his mind. I think, I think she said whip it crowd. Is that what she said? I, I have no idea what that is. Uh, whip it, uh, whippets are. Oh, those are dogs. <laughs> whippets <laughs> are, um, how do I explain this? Uh, I guess, I guess it's kind of like drugs, sort of, kind of, um, you, it's, I don't know exactly what it is, but it's whatever's in like a can of ready whip and you shake it up and then you don't allow the, the, the cream to come out. Instead you cover it with a balloon and you just let the gas come out. And it fills up the balloon with whatever that gas is. Um, but you can get like tanks of it and stuff. It doesn't have to be like ready whip. Um, and then you, you like inhale the gas and it makes you loopy. 
um, okay. for like five seconds. And so the whole point is like, you know, Jacob here got in with this like crowd of teenagers who had, you know, found out they could do whippets and he couldn't handle the like fun and the, you know, the wildness of this crowd. And he ends up like in an insane asylum. And that's what's happening to Noel. He's having too much like of this drug and fun and it's too crazy and he's going to go insane. So now it's a big deal. Okay. Well, that was educational. So yeah, don't do whippets kids. Yeah. Any, any children listening? Hmm. Don't, don't do this. It's, it's bad for you. Say no to drugs. Why would, well, I have so many questions, but I'm not going to ask them because it's, <laughs> it's not relevant. Um, so, so that's where we kind of end off on this scene. We sort of know that everybody's uh, rallying. There's something on the way. There's something coming. They're planning. And we'll see pretty soon what that is going to look like. But in the meantime, we're going to go to another storyline. Uh-huh. We're going to see Elena and Tracy. Mm-hmm. And this, this is the episode where I feel more of what you were saying in the last one, where it was like, where they were saying that not having sex or where Elena was saying that not having sex wasn't an issue. The, it clearly is, right? Yeah. So we're seeing that Elena and Tracy are hooking up or they're, they're making out at least, and it's getting hot and heavy and Tracy's trying to stop it. And I guess the way they wrote the dialogue here, I have a sense that it's like, this is just one of the many times Mm -hmm. that it's gotten to this point. And Tracy's tried so hard to stop it. And Elena is like, why are we stopping again? You know, like just using words like again, where I don't feel this is the first time they've had this exasperated of a conversation. Well, Tracy says it. He's like, how many times can we have this conversation? Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really feel that from her in the last episode, but this, this makes, puts more context to the look that he gave to the camera in the last episode where it's like, this has been torture for me. I don't know about you. And I think it's been torture for you too, if we're being real honest. Um, And the way she does it here too is just sort of shady because she, she's like, okay, okay. Tell me about God. Why would he want us to stop? (laughs) And it's like, Ooh, that's less about understanding and more about manipulation there. But that's where she's headed. And and Elena says she needs a sign. Mm-hmm. She needs she to understand why God wants sign. this. Yeah. And um, i just like to give an award here to uh, Donald Faison's mother for mm-hmm. Tracy's butt. Okay. But like that, you got to thank your mama. So thank you. Okay. And you get an award. Wow. That was nice. Yeah. Okay. That's All right. Nice. So we're going to get a little bit more on this. We're going to go documentary and Sean is interviewing Elena. And for me, what this really boiled down to was the final question, mm-hmm. which was, would you ever think about cheating on Tracy? And her answer is as if I would answer that to the uh-huh. camera. It's like, huh? 
Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. There's an yep. answer. I mean, you gave an answer and it yeah. wasn't no. It certainly wasn't so. no. Yeah. It's been, you know, it's this is going to be really heavy-handed this episode, especially with the appearance of Finn. Um I think but a we're going to go this episode is heavy-handed. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to go from this little brief snippet of an interview to a snippet of julie's interview where she's saying uh, obviously what's happening off of this camera and off of really off, we've seen elena be sort of suspicious about what's up with julie maybe once yeah. maybe twice but it seems to me from what julie's saying here that this has been an ongoing conversation where elena keeps asking about mm -hmm. her dad mm -hmm. and, and it seems like it's like julie's getting like tired of it like she's starting to be resentful about this it does seem that way yeah and we're gonna see an example of this play out pretty soon after the next scene yeah but so i like two things about this so sean says like something like is is that all she knows which made me think has julie confided in sean i mean it made it sound like sean knows that there is something more because julie mm -hmm. says this is what i told elena and she says the exact same thing that we have heard and mm -hmm. sean says like is that all she knows yeah uh, I don't know. I can't really confirm or deny your thought there because I can't think of a time in the future when Sean reveals that he knows more hmm. than this. So maybe I'll have to be on the lookout for that because maybe it came across in subtle language like what you picked up on. Um, hmm. I don't know. And hmm. the second thing, which I'm sure you also very much enjoyed, was Julie's large bite of pizza right at the end. She was just like, I'm going to eat something. Here I did go. She, did she do that in this scene? Yes. Oh my she gosh, just she just piece, ate pizza the whole episode. Whole episode. Okay. She was just like, I'm eating. It's amazing. It's amazing what she does. I just yeah. love, you know, uh, I'll give it a word later. That's what I'll do. All right. Um, all right. We're going to go back to non-documentary style. We're going to Dean and DeLuca and ben, Ben's vibe. Yeah. Ben is just moving in slow motion, it feels like, in pretty much most of this episode. Yeah. I mean, I would say this scene in particular may explain why, like, you connect so much with Felicity and I connect so much with Ben. Because mm -hmm. Ben is clearly the cynic and Felicity is clearly the optimist. Mm-hmm. Very I guess it depends. Is. I guess it depends on like I, I um Ben goes on a bit of a journey with his dad. So But like in this scene right here. Yeah. Like Ben is just my dad called. I don't know. He wants to see me. You know, Felicity's being supportive. She's asking questions. She's like, you know, when did you talk to him last? He's like, six months ago but it's gonna be the same crap she's like well maybe it's not you know maybe it's gonna it's really gonna be something and ben's just like smiling at her like you optimist 
Yeah. Like, I don't know that that, I don't know that the hopefulness applies to the situation with my dad, to be <laughs> honest with you, but I do Which think that this is an example of if Felicity doesn't really know yet, like the scope. Um, yeah. She's had these moments where Ben has confided in her or almost confided in her in the past. And I think she feels like she understands a little more than she actually does. So I think it's, I, you know, I think that at this point in their relationship, she's got a closer understanding, but I don't think, I don't know that she can fully put herself in his shoes yet. And to make things even more complicated, Ben can't put himself in his dad's shoes. Mm-hmm. And so we have so many levels of people have just had different life experiences mm-hmm. and those life experiences have led to pain and you know one person's trying to support another person who doesn't understand and nobody understands. I mean it's it's all very People are it, the the whole thing with Ben Felicity and and his dad. I think is just a bit of a train wreck. And it's not the last we're going to see of this dynamic play out. So there's going to be more. There's just going to be more. We're going to see a lot more from this. Um, for the moment, before we even meet the dad, let's go back to Elena and Julian. We're going to see them starting out this scene that the point of this scene is not the little bit of dialogue that we're getting at first, but I think that this is highlighting an example Um, as they start they're they're finishing up a conversation and that conversation is Elena basically saying, just say you don't want to talk if you don't want to talk, but don't pretend Mm -hmm. that nothing's going on. Um, She's and, pushing it. Yeah. She's pushing it. Yeah. She's like, let's have at least a little honesty here. It doesn't have to be full transparency, but it can be like, instead of saying things are fine, say things are not fine. And I don't want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. And okay. look, my view to that is, Elena, shut up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if I want to say, like, I'm fine and I don't want to say anything else then not your business. I would agree with that. And that's the conversation you would have hoped would have happened. Like, uh, like the first or second conversation they started to have about this. Instead, this is the 15th conversation. I don't know. And Julie's fed up and Elena's now pushing the issue. And I think that would play a little differently if in the very first or second, because clearly Julie has not wanted to talk about it the Mm -hmm. whole way through. And I think Elena could have made that point. Like, look, if you want to, you can, I'm here. Just please don't say that you're fine if you're not, but I won't push it. You know, like it would have landed differently. Well, and Julie could have said, I can say whatever I want. It's none of your business. Uh, I think I wouldn't be comfortable with setting up room for people to just be lying to each other in the apartment. Like, I think it's okay for Elena to say, don't lie to me. And I think um, it's okay for Julie to say, don't, I don't want to talk about it. Fine. That lays out the rules of it altogether. No, I think there's a difference between someone saying, like, if someone says, how are you doing? And you're like, 
I'm fine. The, everyone knows what that means. That's not a lie. Yeah. Everyone knows. But how that, useful is that when you're friends and you're living in the same space? I mean, like, to me, it's it like she doesn't going want backwards. To talk about it. But then I would say, don't she, talk about it. Like you can, you can say not great. Don't want to talk about it. And then you don't have to talk about it. I'm just, I know that um, you and I come down differently on the, on this, like, I, I really hate dishonesty. So I would much rather be like, I don't think it's dishonest. I think it's just, it's her choice to express that she doesn't want to talk about it by saying something in like a very common way that people say things to mean, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know we won't probably agree on this one, so yeah. let's keep moving. Um, I would say that wasn't the point anyway. The yeah, point it was. wasn't. It was really just like a reflection of what she was being interviewed about before. But the point of this scene it's is that good. we're going to run into Finn. Yeah. yeah. Who I guess yeah. still hasn't been named. You said they haven't named him yet in this one. Nope. nope. I just have some guy. Yeah. Written down. Well, we'll get to know him as Finn. He, um, he runs into them in the hallway. They're walking towards the elevator, which I swear looks like the exact same elevator as I swear. Yeah. Like the, the dorm room <laughs> that where, wherever Noel is living, it's the same door. They that must have Rebecca just Haas put her, her yeah. post-it on. The yeah. elevator must've been a set. Then they got a new yeah. set for the inside of the dorm room. I, yeah. That's, that's what I'm thinking happened here. So uh, he is going to hold the door open while Julie and Elena are in it. He's no, going to. No, no. They're going to. Elena is going to stand in the middle of like half in the elevator, half out of the elevator mm -hmm. and continually be hit in the arm mm -hmm. with the elevator. Okay. <laughs> as they're talking. I just found this to be so funny. She's like half in, half out. And it's like the elevator is like pushing her to like. She's kind of short circuiting in this episode in a pretty visible way, I would say. He, yeah. um, you can Girl's see horny. Girl there's a conflict. Something. Yeah. And he's going to invite them out. And Elena declines. And that's like all the willpower she had in her tank. That was it. So when he asks a follow-up question, <laughs> she's got no more willpower. Sorry. And he's going to say to her directly, do you have a boyfriend? <laughs> and she's yep. going to say no. With Julie standing uh, right there. And Julie's and like, my what? jaw just on the ground. Yeah. I did not expect that. Yeah. And Julie doesn't either. And then, and neither did Elena, honestly. And, and he's like, great. Yeah. And he lets the door close, and the and as it's closing, you can see Elena go, yeah. "Oh my god, no, I do, I do, I." But he's out of earshot now. She's just recapping what just happened to Julie, and she's like, "Wait, what?" Oh, happened? I thought when they they turned to each other, I thought Elena was saying, "I, I don't know why I said that." Yeah. Like she wasn't trying to say like she does have a boyfriend to the guy. She was just like, I don't know no, why she I wasn't did that. talking to him anymore. He wasn't in earshot anymore. She's oh, just okay. like recapping yeah. it with Julie. She's like, oh my God, 
Yeah, what happened? What, what? just happened? <laughs> <laughs> it was like a complete loss of motor function, really. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. All right. We're going to go back to documentary style. And we're at the girl's apartment. And you can see they're setting up for this intervention. And Richard has taken the lead on printing out paperwork and... He's distributing some sort of anti-Natalie intervention form. He um, has named it. He's named the intervention. He's planned the intervention. He's looked it up online. He's printed the forms. He's he's ready. He's ready to get his buddy back. Yeah. Uh, um, ben, my, my feeling from Ben is he's just like, really, guys? Yeah. That's kind of the vibe I'm gathering from him. He's here, but... I don't know if yeah. he's really on board with what they're trying to do, to be honest. Um, I mean, I don't understand how anyone's on board with Sean filming this. Yeah. I mean, of any, like, no one there decided to take the camera away from him. It's an intervention. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I think that... I know that you don't like the documentary style being continued anyway. And I think it makes even less sense in this episode when you look at the gravity of what they're doing right now. Yeah. But it does um, show how pushy Sean is, but it certainly does. I think if you're going to have this device, I guess you kind of have to have him doing it here, but why do we have to have a device? Took away the camera. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Noel shows up looking drugged still. Okay. Kind of, I mean, his eyes are kind of closed. He's, he's not looking his best. Yeah. But his first inclination of what he's seeing in this room, he's like, mm-hmm. what's up? Is this an intervention? I mean, Is it looked like one. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Everyone's there. There's like chairs in a circle. Everyone's looking concerned. I mean, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Richard is not the spokesperson they sh- that they need and not the one that they want either. Um, but yet Richard's taking the lead. He's like, yeah, well, yeah, it is. He's like, have you ever seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers? No, it's like, wait, 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 guys, 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 hold on. Uh, this is too much. This is and, and Javier's not helping either. All he can comment on is the pleather pants, which I then had to track through the whole episode. Yeah. He is, in fact, wearing pleather pants, and it's kind of amazing. They're so shiny. They're great when he falls over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Noel's obviously, Noel's guard is up now, and, you know, he's he's trying to get at like okay wait so this is about natalie like you're saying this is a mistake felicity is trying to soften it she's like no 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 the, the mistake is that you're letting everything else go in the process that's what we're worried about um, i don't think she's softening it i think she is putting a finer point on it she mm-hmm. you know he's like it's the marriage and felicity says no it's the marriage causing you to let everything else go like mm-hmm. it's way more than the marriage mm-hmm. and i i don't understand the part that i didn't understand was noel identifies it's an intervention yeah while he's still like 
on the side of the the circle of people mm-hmm. toward the door and yet he chooses to walk to the other side of the room like why does he not just walk out of the door i think that that choice in blocking this scene i mean they want to get noel out of this marriage the writers want to get noel out of this marriage and in order to do that Noel's going to have to want to get out of this marriage. And if they're going to try to do it this quickly, like, cause this is fast, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. I said two episodes, incredibly they, fast. they give you a, a problem and they solve it in two episodes. Yeah. So if he walks out of the room, this doesn't get resolved in two episodes. Well, but and... all he says here is Natalie's great and you guys suck. Yeah, I think they needed to give enough. I think they needed to give enough here. The fact that he stays in the room for any amount of time after identifying that this is an intervention, after they put a form in his hand that says anti-anatomy intervention, and he still lingers a little bit in this conversation, I would gather, look, whether or not this is well-written is another question altogether, but if this is the choice that he's making, what I'm going to gather from that is he's half listening. And I guess so, because I guess in the next scene, he's a little more on the fence and then it just gets more and more on the fence. Mm-hmm. But he here, he's definitely got his backup and he's, he's defending Natalie. He's defending his own um, decisions I really thought he was going to deck Richard. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess the I other interpretation, which might be the direction you're headed, I guess I guess the other interpretation is that he's lingering in this room to defend Natalie's honor. But uh, given the quick... I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of coming around to your side where it's like he actually is starting to think about it. And in thinking about it, he's getting really defensive. Mm-hmm. And I guess for let's say the friend's benefit he's dropping just a little bit of information as he gets angry so he he gets angry after hearing a few initial thoughts about this and you know they're asking him oh did did you know she was arrested all this he gets angry and he's like look first of all point one it was my idea to get married point two natalie was arrested for protesting an oil tanker with green peace like yeah. this is a reason for me to admire her and then he more broadly says she is worldly she is exciting she's adventuresome she's awesome you know like it's just mm-hmm. that that's sort of the final points that he gives about her and then he says look we're going to Oktoberfest soon and I don't know if I want to see you guys again and he leaves, but he's given them all this perspective and this information about her and his relationship to her. But I do think there was an option here, like you said, to not enter the room any, like find out it's an intervention, spin back around, walk out the door, leave. That was an option. And it wasn't one he took. No. And it allows for the next scene for Felicity basically to say, we done fucked up. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and he's, I 
feel like starting to become a little more receptive. He's been thinking about it and he's not, I don't know. It's like more and more dawning on him. It's like he's slowly coming out, out of the drugged state. Mm -hmm. He's not there yet, but like you see a little glimmer of it. I think that this is one of a few scenes that I'll, I will eventually wrap this up in a note for an optimist, but just like, I think that this is another example of, this is an example in this episode of Felicity knowing him really well, because her approach here, she, she changes course entirely. And she does it in a way that I think she thinks this is what Noel needs right now regardless of what I want to say or what I may be thinking um, because he's, she could be coming in hot here. Like, look, they were just doing an intervention with a form that literally said the anti-Natalie intervention on it. And he's just, you know, come in from having to defend her, his, her honor and his honor. And that's, that might be what he thinks he needs to bring into this conversation. So for her to knock on his door, and immediately unabashedly apologize and be like, I let you down. We all let you down is what we just did. We were presumptuous. We suck. Immature, insulting. And he's just like, yeah, you were. And so she, she's like, yeah, I mean, I, I freaked out. That's on me. I freaked out because, you know, I knew this, this previous version of you, Mm -hmm. the Noel with the four year plan, the Noel with the book, the Noel who wouldn't have quit senior year. Right. You know, and, and this is where I feel like, yeah, he says it's, that was a long time ago, but it wasn't. Um, and and she's just like you know what people change and and that's fine like you know she says it a little wistfully Mm -hmm. and she's like okay here here's what we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna call a redo Mm -hmm. if you will let us Mm -hmm. (laughs) well we're gonna do what we should have done and you know, say congratulations. We want you to come to a dinner that is a celebration. We want to meet your wife. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, wife. Right. Exactly. She's like, yeah, that's, yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah. she's not saying it. She's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and just let the gravity of all of that exactly. hit him. <laughs> yeah. I think, and I think this is, you know, this is actually a sales technique. So a lot of times you'll hear salespeople talk about, we're trying to get the yes, we're trying to get agreement. That's a style, but there's another style of getting the no or getting like leading with something uh, that's basically a list of grievances that you might have against me. And she's employing a couple of those things here. So when she opened, if she had started with, you used to be the guy with the plan, he's still red hot from, you know, the previous conversation. So for her to come in and say, okay, you're probably feeling like 
we let you down and that we were presumptuous and that we were doing the wrong thing and we weren't being supportive. And he can agree with all those things. And it, it puts it in a position where then he doesn't have to have his guard up anymore because she has opened with why she was wrong. You know, it, put, it, it, it lessens her position here. So for her then to start interjecting these little, like, look, I knew you was the guy who did this, but clearly you're changing. You know, like it's just, there's no reason for him to get fired up at her anymore. Um, and so she's leaving him with these really significant nuggets for him to consider, including the fact that he just called Natalie his wife, which she is. Yeah. And what does that word mean to him now? So I... I think there's more of a subtlety in how she's approaching him here. And it's certainly a lot more effective. I definitely agree that it's effective. And I, I appreciate you pointing out why it's effective. What I'm on the fence about is how genuine she is versus the manipulative part. Yeah. Because I think she started out, right, trying to dig up uh dig up all the dirt she gets to the intervention and she's like you know even when she is talking to everyone Mm -hmm. uh the first time she's like you know let's focus on what's important here and she tries to reiterate that during the intervention and then noel says all these things right Mm -hmm. and they kind of feel like when she came to the door like on the one hand, does she still want them to be married? Not really. Does she want the old Noel back? Yes. But I feel like she was genuine. Yeah, I agree. To the door. I think that she was genuine there. But if you're if you're looking at it pragmatically, this is why it worked. Yeah, um, I think that makes sense. And I and I think had she been planning and trying to manipulate the situation, this would have been her best route. So like, I don't know. I think it can be both things. I don't think that she was intentionally trying to manipulate the situation, but she did nonetheless. And, you know, because she was genuine, he has a different reaction. So the outcome ends up being the same. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to go to a restaurant. We've got a, they're showing us some different locations in this episode because with the, with these John Ritter scenes anyway, um, we're going to see John Ritter sitting at a table. This is going to be Ben's dad. And I just, first of all, rest in peace, John Ritter. I know. Um, picking the, this choice of casting, I think is very interesting because John Ritter is very recognizable and certainly would have been at that time too, you know, um, and the things that we probably most know John Ritter from He's just like has a good, I don't know. Like I think about him in three is company. Like, I don't know. He, he brings with him um, some positive connotations from the stuff I've seen him in. Is it the same for you? Um, for me, I agree that it was a very smart casting choice because he for me he he seems like 
every other guy, right? He's this sort of unassuming, non-threatening guy in a suit, Mm -hmm. could be any random kind of white guy dad. Yeah. Um, And so it, it, you know, Ben's a big guy, right? Mm -hmm. And we have to see the abuse that has gone on as something that could have happened from this guy who's sitting across from him to, you know, Ben. And you can see it in, you know, his, that there's an awkward kind of handshake. And, and when Ben sits down, he does this thing with his hands where he's like, his hands are sweating. And so he's like rubbing them on his legs. He's clearly nervous and, and continues to be nervous for a guy that frankly, he could beat into the ground at this point in time, mm-hmm. but he's got that like child mentality. Yeah, he definitely does. You can see how much of an impact the presence of this man and even before the presence, the phone call had on Ben. And I think that's why it was so important that they cast this particular man, because um, everything that we've heard about Ben's dad to this point has been very unflattering. And like you expect him to have like prison tats on his like mustache twirling like you're expecting something awful and then we get a man who could be any man but it's not any man it's john ritter and it's a guy that i think is known for some roles that are very sitcom i'm like let's laugh with me like there's good vibes around john ritter from the things i've seen him in so and audience, correct me if I'm missing like some major villain roles that he ever had, but I don't think he was a villain in our yeah. perception of him. So at this time, he was kind of doing the circuit of like the CW programs. Like he starred in Buffy mm-hmm. also as a father who um, he like, you know, her mom is single and he comes in as like someone who's dating her mom. Mm-hmm. And like, sorry, spoiler for one episode of Buffy, he's he's a bad guy. Um, okay. He's actually an amalgamation of bugs. It's weird. But, okay. Yeah. Well, there's that. So, okay, maybe around this time he was starting to make some choices that sort of went against type for him. Um, no, I think it was just quick paydays. Yeah. So... But I would say the longer paydays he's had uh, were like sitcoms. They were like light and fluffy stuff. And he was just like, I don't know. I, I just keep thinking of three, Three's Company. Like, he's just Jack. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely like a, a twist. Like as he got, it's like he's older. And now he was starting to play these off type. And it's surprising because it's John Ritter, right? And I think that's what Moments. makes this stuff even more interesting for me because it makes it feel more real. It -hmm. makes it feel like this could be anybody, any home. And I think there's a certain charisma he brings to the table that this is often what this looks like. You know, there's like people get sucked in by the charisma and then find out, Oh my God, like there's all this stuff happening. Um, And that's what happens to get into a relationship with him. And Ben didn't have that choice. Ben's his son. Ben didn't choose his father. He's just, you know, but his mom did and his mom kept choosing him. Um, 
by staying in the relationship. And so there's a lot there. And I think this is a lot of the times what this looks like, you know, it's, it doesn't look like an evil thing on the, on the surface of it. You know, it's, he's just a guy. Um, yeah. So it's just, I like that they made this choice. And I like all the stuff that you spotted about Ben's sort of reverting back to probably these little childhood coping mechanisms that he had. <sighs> he's definitely having a reaction. I mean, he's like bending forward. He's not like sitting up and being, you know, the broad shouldered like man that he is. He's like making himself smaller. His hands are sweating. He's, he's like keeping his head lower than his dad, even though he's taller than him. Yeah. He's, you know, taking the, the menu that's offered to him and saying, thank you. And I mean, it's, yeah, it's a little, it's a little tough to watch. It is. And we're going to come back to this in a minute, but in the meantime, we're going to break this, which feels a little weird with an Elena and Tracy scene. Um, yeah. And they, I, I just want, I want to point out here because I will point out something else later. Tracy is holding two diet Cokes product placement, diet Coke. Just keep that in the back of your mind for later. Okay. All right. So they're studying, they're, they're going over, I don't know what class this is for. They're going over some finer points or something. I don't know. It's math. Okay. Um, <laughs> Differential equations. They're and, so fun. And they're, so I feel like they've decided that there's just going to be generic Mambo music that they play behind yeah. them in a lot of episodes. I don't know. This isn't the first time that we've heard something like this with them in particular. Yeah. And so we're getting this, you know, festive music. Mm -hmm. And Elena has an amazing outfit on that red. She's looking great. She's looking great as she walks to the door. She's heard the doorbell ring. Yeah, somebody's at the door. It's Finn. Yeah, tell yeah. Finn tell is Ben's at the door. Yeah, he is going to ask her on a date. Because she yep. doesn't have a boyfriend as far as he knows, except her boyfriend is in the room studying. Yep. Oh, well. right, right behind her calling her baby. Yeah. And wasn't a clue, Finn? Elena wasn't a clue? won't let him in. Nope. There should be some red flags here for Finn. <sighs> so in the end, she gets to push him out the door, but not before agreeing to go to lunch with him. Yep. 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 That happens. Yeah. That happens. And it's not a, it's not what happened in the elevator. She, like she had a second. Yeah. And we'll see her, her justification and reasoning as the episode goes on. Oh my goodness. This is a lot. Um, okay. So we'll <laughs> go back to a different kind of awkward scene in the restaurant with dad and Ben. Mm. Um, and you just feel like they're just two complete strangers sitting at this table together. They're they are. Just <laughs> sort of small talky, like, oh, you're, I like your hair short. He's like, Ben's like, yeah, my hair's been short. You know, like I, you know, it's just, this isn't new. And then, you know, they get their meals and Ben's not eating. Cause frankly, who can have an appetite in a situation like this? And she's like, oh, it's a little rare. Dad's like, oh, well, we'll take it back. 
well, take it back. I can do that. Like, this yeah. is something I can fix. And he's like, Ben's like, stop, stop, stop. But no, just don't, don't take it back, please. Please. <laughs> just leave it. Uh, and then they get into the meat of a conversation, which is, this is pretty complex, actually. Yeah, it is. He starts out, he knows, his dad knows that he hasn't talked to his son mm-hmm. in six months. Yeah. And he knows that when he did talk to him, he did not mention that he's an AA. Yeah. And so the first thing he asks is, did mom tell you that I'm in a program? Mm -hmm. And obviously he's talking about 12-step AA program. Mm -hmm. So he's an alcoholic and he he talks he like talks through the first two steps you know he's like look i you know i admit like there's a higher power and it was really hard for me to admit that i was powerless over alcohol and that my life had become unmanageable which is the first step and and it's a really big deal. Um, and he says, you know, I'm here to make amends, which is step nine of 12. I don't know how long he's been in AA, but if, if he's at step nine in like six months or under, um, that's that doesn't seem like potentially sustainable progress, but you know, everyone's different. And you can see that he is like, he's kind of starting to cry a little bit. Like you can see the like glistening of the tears. Mm-hmm. Um, step, I mean, <laughs> making amends in step nine, I, I, I don't know why they don't, actually show this to us because what we walk away with here is his dad says you know i'm I'm here to make amends then we as the audience don't know like how that goes and ben's immediate reaction is oh you're here so you because you're supposed to be here meaning he knows jack all about aa and like his father i mean even at the like aa is a very well established program and there are certain things that you can do for example if you're making amends with a child i don't know mention al-anon which is a group for to support people who like are related to or know alcoholics or aca adult children of alcoholics like there's all these things that like maybe you could have helped out here. Like, I, I get it's a hard, hard, hard thing to do. Um, and then clearly he's going to fail the first time, but Ben has no concept. He's got no concept of what his dad has gone through, of what, of the disease that he is grappling with. He only knows his own experience. And like on the one hand, it's nice for him to say, for Ben to say, 
you know, I'm glad you called and to like start having this bit of hope. But like his dad really isn't preparing him to to live with and have a relationship with someone who is in early recovery. Yeah. And it does not go well. For me, the, um, the, this is maybe a bit too quick of a jump for Ben to go from you're here because you're supposed to be to, I'm glad you called. I think that Ben says it because I, you know, I think, and this is something that I think that you've pointed out on a number of occasions that Ben actually is very, um, empathetic. Yes. And I think when he sees how affected emotionally his dad is in this situation, it probably gives him some pause, but his initial reaction was, so there's a checklist and I'm on it and you're doing this. And I don't know that it makes a lot of sense to me that he gets from there to, I'm glad you called even, even with an empathetic tendency within a couple minutes or less. It was, it was less than that really when it played out. So I think um, there was no additional information, (laughs) you know, like for him to. Other than seeing his dad, like, kind of welling up in tears which can have a big effect on you but well I it agree. clearly did here and they're asking me to believe that i did here but i think it would have been nice if his dad would have like well yeah but like i chose for you to be on this like like i, I don't know like there's there's a whole thing he's gonna have to go through and that's why i i feel like it's a little irresponsible of the show to be um introducing like AA in this way mm-hmm. um, and and like not giving the context or like all of the stuff that Ben needs and maybe they'll do it differently in the future. But I, I agree with you. I don't find, I don't just find his empathy hard to believe here. I have found it hard to believe, you know, through large parts of the show because what we understood from early on is that his father was physically abusive mm-hmm. and i mean he's now here sitting in a restaurant trying to do step work and crying in front of a son who is like clearly still wounded and yeah and then he's going to be like Oh, but like, I'm glad you're here. Like I, well, and I think the other thing too, and one of the reasons why I'm glad that they had the line about you're here because you're supposed to be, because I, I think something that we're going to get at the end of this episode is Ben listing off all the chairs that he sat in for his stuff where his dad didn't show up. So Mm -hmm. I think there's that when you, when you go all the way to the end of this episode, if you were to rewatch it and you hear that line again, I think the, what something that I'm adding to it now is Okay, because you're so you're here because you're supposed to be here for you. And when it's been my stuff, where have you been? He doesn't say any of that. But then when I get to the end of the episode and I hear him saying all that stuff, I'm like, oh, man. Uh, Like maybe that's something that he's putting into this as well. Which and, and this is, again, why I think it's a little irresponsible to to do it in this way, because 
what's not introduced is the idea of put your mask on first before you can help anyone else. Mm -hmm. So like, yes, like his dad is there for himself, Mm -hmm. but he's there for himself so that he can be there for other people Mm -hmm. potentially if that is his motivation. We don't know what his motivation is. Mm, yeah. Um, but I I feel that Ben's initial reaction, which is anger, is much more consistent with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to, we're certainly going to get a lot more of this, but that's, I think, everything that we get from that scene. Um, we are now going to go to another 10. I don't know. Uh, relationship where people are trying to figure some stuff out. We've got Noel and Natalie again. <laughs> we're going to see, we're going to drop in on Noel at his place of living at his apartment with Natalie, but he is by himself for the moment and he's dug up his four year plan. Which looks a little bit like a yearbook. I mean, a little bit. Wasn't kidding about like a really solid book for this plan. Yeah, he meant um, it. <laughs> he not, meant it. Not a three-year, I mean, sorry, not a three-ring binder, not a you know spiral notebook. I mean, it would it was a solid book. Um, and clearly, this is something that Natalie has never seen because Natalie is going to walk in and she's like, "Oh, what's all this you're looking at?" He's like, "Oh, it's just my plan." For my life. <laughs> yeah. Never seen, never heard a single thing about. Yeah. And she does be. walk in and look absolutely drop dead gorgeous. She's, she's gorgeous. Oh um, God, I can't even stand gorgeous. it. She, yeah. um, so, so Natalie's, well, you got to be interested, right? <laughs> In your I, husband's I plan. So. so she's looking at, she's like, oh, tell me about Wayfront. He's like, okay. Tech speak. Yeah. And he just goes into a whole bunch of language she doesn't know. She's like, oh, you are such a geek. Um, And then she's like, change your shirt. Wear this really cool one with the (laughs) flames on it. Yeah. Uh, So, I don't know. I mean, we're getting a sense of how she's going to receive all this. (laughs) Yeah. And we're probably getting maybe a little bit more doubt, potentially. I mean, Noel has pulled out his book. And Natalie is is not being the supportive wife <laughs> so you know and it's it's really kind of subtle right because she initially is like tell me more and then she's like that's enough <laughs> she's like let's let's do what we were doing before so i think it's not mm. as overt as being like ah this is nonsense but she does dismiss it rather quickly and move well, back to what they were doing before yeah, it's like she thinks he's a different person now. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, like you're looking back at like photos of you as a kid. Oh, look, you, you had were a terrible haircut. Such a geek. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh-huh. here, like, all right, we're off. You know, here here's your new outfit. Let's let's go. Yeah. You know, it's like nostalgia factor potentially for her. Whereas yeah. he's like, Oh wait, this was my future. Like, am I still this way, maybe? Yeah. A, little bit. a little bit yeah he's trying to gauge it so it's important that we get this set up because then we're gonna head into the dinner the celebratory dinner that the gang mm-hmm. is gonna throw for nolan natalie and uh before they show up richard's gonna lay, <laughs> lay it out for us he's like i'm here but in my heart of hearts natalie is temporary <laughs> <laughs> and he's not wrong 
Yeah, he doesn't say those exact words, but that's what he means. Um, They're not wrong. And then we're going to see Ben and Felicity getting things ready. And Felicity asks Ben about how things went with his dad for lunch. He's like, it was was okay. And and we're supposed to go to dinner tomorrow. Yeah. And let me tell you, if he had just been through a step nine, like, no way is he so casual about this. I mean, he's just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it would like, have just been I just, eating a burger and then going home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Megan, Megan with her outfits is really going downhill. I mean, this, I mean, it's, this whole episode has been a little rough. Okay. But, okay. But, you know, who looks great? Natalie. Natalie and Noel are going to arrive. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to cut to the middle of a conversation that they're all having where Natalie and Noel are talking all about their trip to Cuba and telling the grand stories of their adventures. And Natalie (laughs) tells a story about sneaking into Hemingway's bed. And I have to tell you something. I kind of understand the idea of wanting to get into the private areas. I don't know about Hemingway's bed in particular, but I, you know, my family, when, when I was younger, like a lot of the trips that we would do would be to like historic homes on the East coast. And it always drove me nuts because they'd show you these rooms and then they'd rope stuff off and they'd be like, but we don't go into that room ever. We never go into that. When people are not allowed into this room. And of course, when you're a kid, what does that make you want to do? Go into that room. Yeah. So the thing is Natalie is an adult and perhaps should respect the fact that they don't want a ton of tourists coming in and ruining the room, breaking Hemingway's bed, making it all smell like Natalie. I get the reason. (laughs) I'm just saying I also understand Natalie's impulse because there's got to be other things you can do to dissuade tourists than be like, this is the best part, but we don't let people see that. <laughs> it's like, hey. Well, they hey. got to see it, right? They just didn't get to get in bed. Yeah, well, she did. Um, she did. You know, I mean, she's got some chutzpah, you know. She had she's, a real visceral feeling when she got did it. life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm, a little tingly. Yeah. Um, that, that line, I love how Richard's just picking apart every yeah. single thing she says. He's like, visceral means feeling. <laughs> I love some of his lines. They're yeah, so memorable to me in this absolutely. episode, in this part. Oh, oh my gosh. So now that they've heard about Cuba, so the next plan is Oktoberfest. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's next up. What's after that? They don't know. No idea. Yeah. And obviously Natalie and Noel have not had this conversation between them because clearly Natalie wouldn't entertain a conversation about having plans for even more than 30 seconds. Yeah, so, she doesn't like plants. She, she doesn't want plants. Yeah. And Noel is beginning to sweat. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't know. Do we even want to live in the U.S.? Do we like it here? And Noel's well, like... I mean, she's even broader than that. She's like... How do you feel about the U.S.? He's, <laughs> yeah. he's just like, uh, what kind of question is that? I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, every time she says something, he, he just drinks more. Yeah, he's just 
perspiration galore. And then she's like, all I know, the only thing I do know is I for sure want to move every two years. <laughs> he's <Yep>. like, <laughs> and he's just like finishing the wine. He's beginning to look like potentially there were beats in it. Yeah. Um, and the music is just this like chill reggae music. Mm-hmm. And Noel is is very much freaking out. He really is. And then we yeah. get the natural question for people who are trying to think about this logically. Well, how are you going to pay for all this? Like, mm-hmm. you know, where's the money going to come from? And Natalie shares her theory. She's like, I've got it's this great. theory. Great theory. Money always works itself out. Yeah. I mean, that's always been my experience, right? I mean, so, you need 20 bucks, you walk down the street and it just appears. That's it. That's what mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. Richard's line here. I've used lines. I've used this line in other situations. I love it so much. Richard, so she said, I have this theory that money always works itself out. Richard goes, yeah, there's relativity. And then there's that one. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great line. I urge you all, if you haven't <laughs> used this line yet, anytime somebody names a theory and calls it a theory, you can slip this one in. Okay. It'll we'll be bring much delight to your conversation. It will be particularly effective if your your friend or whoever's theory is as stupid as this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so oh Noel, Noel needs to leave. Yeah. He he cannot sit here for one more second and he must fall over and just show his shiny pleathered butt to everyone uh the pants are still pleather okay leather and he's on his way to the bathroom so he can wash his face just get a moment to collect himself stop the sweating yeah so much sweating he needs to deal with some things Mm -hmm. uh javier comes in yep and and it's nice he's brought them a present He, he it seems to be luggage for their travels but is it yeah. is it luggage, Melissa? Do no, they, it isn't. Is that what he brings? It's a first aid kit that includes a defibrillator. Yeah. Just yeah. in case there's an emergency. Mm-hmm. And darn it, was that useful? Because it gets it gets used in this episode. <laughs> but anyway, so now I feel like what they did here was they gave the audience enough to distract ourselves. Like there's so much happening. There's so many people in the room. There's all this stuff going on. So we're a little distracted, I think. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure that I heard in real time how this landed for you. Yeah. But Natalie gets a call and she goes to take the call. And then she realizes she needs to write something down. And so she asks if there's a place where she can take notes. Felicity points her over to the table where there's a pen and paper. Natalie is sitting down and Richard's like, no, that's where he put his anti-Natalie intervention form. What's his notebook? And, And what I saw was, I thought, Felicity was being a little snippy when she was like, yeah, I think there's a pen over by the pad of paper because my mother growing up always had a pen and a pad of paper next to the phone so that you could write all the messages down. So I, of course, immediately thought everyone does this. And so I thought she was being a little snippy. And then when she sits down and it looks like a notebook, I'm like, oh, okay. So it's, she wasn't being snippy. And then 
I slowly look over to what's on the other side of the notebook. Yeah. I'm like, that looks like a typed sheet. Mm-hmm. And then I hear Richard going, that's my notebook. And I am like, no. And right around then you said no. And it made me think that it had just landed on you in that moment yeah. too, which yep. is what you'd hope, I think, in terms of how this would roll out. So I think they did a pretty good job constructing this scene where there was just enough happening mm-hmm. where you they left that reveal to the very second that it was revealed to Natalie that there was that form in that notebook. Yeah, and I'd say like a couple, it, they gave us a couple seconds to like get it and have some dread yeah. before Natalie actually got it. I'm glad that was effective. And then and then Natalie gets it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hits her face. She pauses what she's doing. Yeah. And I like how she expressed herself here. She just didn't even, she just says, where's my coat? I want my coat. Yep. Gets her coat and leaves. And but she leaves without Noel, which yeah. I was kind of like, you don't know if he actually yeah. did this intervention or anything. Like she just ditches him in this apartment, potentially with a group of people who, who all have, have an intervention. intervention. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, perfect. Excellent. Yes. Well, knowing Richard, there was probably a date on the form. It was and probably Noel like had to countersign it. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> so like anti-Natalie intervention, October first, two thousand. And she'd be like, "It's the 11th, you know. <laughs> like, ah. Completed with Noel here. Yeah. Check. Just, I'm sure that Richard left that level of detail, but <laughs> I do, I do like how she didn't even want to get into it with them i wouldn't it was like i want my coat and actually the expression that way of expressing it too there's no accusation there's not even where is my coat i want my coat there is no you in those sentences and i think had she started to get into the you of it all (laughs) it would have been an issue so i think she kept it into a safe zone for herself just to be able to say i want my coat yeah and I Very think if nobody clear. had gotten her coat, she would have left without her coat. Very likely. You're right. She leaves without Noel, too. And then as soon as the door closes behind Natalie, Noel comes yeah. out of the bathroom. And yeah, that's unfortunate. And I just, and I love here, like, he's like, where's Natalie? And Megan, Megan at this point, I just enjoy. She's like, I actually like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. 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 So the whole, so now we're seeing a little bit after this, everybody's cleaning up from this party gone horribly wrong. And, um, you know, Javier's trying to locate Natalie. He's on the phone trying to figure out where she is. Consuela doesn't know. Yeah. Can you imagine? She doesn't know. Consuela not knowing. Um, and I mean, then. The whole family didn't know for like three months. Yeah, really. And then we get Felicity trying to put herself in Natalie's shoes. She's like, imagine, can you imagine if you went to a party and you found out that everybody at the party had just conspired against you? Richard's like, yep. I can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, just look at this growth. 
from a girl where everything was about her Mm -hmm. all the time yeah even in the last episode Mm -hmm. she she is putting herself in someone else's shoes and you know actually thinking about another human being i think she does that quite a lot in this episode actually um yeah which is i would say a little out of character for her but but good on her nonetheless yes and we're gonna see it here too because noel's gonna come back he obviously went out trying to find natalie didn't find her and comes back of all places he comes back to the place he knows she won't go (laughs) which is the party with all these people who just pissed her off how about trying home yeah again i think this is one of those signs like noel's coming around he's really coming around on this and um so he tells everybody he can't find natalie and then he calls felicity out to the hallway with him to have a conversation privately and he specifically says can i talk to you (laughs) talk to you for a second yeah and did you see ben's face when she walked out there with him yeah yeah scary times and ben's in a vulnerable place right now too yeah yeah there's a lot going on for ben he doesn't need noel stealing his girl um but that's not really what's happening here so noel noel has had a tremendous amount of insight (laughs) like he just lays it out in order he's like you know what I was really angry with you at the start of last year, last season, my junior year, your sophomore year, you know, and then Ruby, Ruby came along and she was his great escape. And then all of a sudden junior year was over and I was a senior and Natalie was a great escape. <laughs> like that is, that is how this played out and all. I don't know if he would have all of this perspective in this amount of time but well it's also a pretty shitty thing to do to be like hey can i talk to you um everything that has happened to me over the last couple of years i would like to take it wrap it in a present and lay it at your feet uh i don't understand how Felicity's not a little bit more mad about this. Oh, He's it's like, interesting because the way he delivered I, that, I didn't feel. Oh, I was like, "Are you kidding me? You're a, you're a person." He's like, "I was so mad at you that then the whole Ruby thing was a, an escape just from being mad at you. Then I became a senior and I started to panic, you know, as a result of you know all the stuff with Ruby. And then Natalie came along, and." I was able to ignore everything. I haven't been me basically since you dumped me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I mean, I see what you're saying, but I didn't feel that he was saying this all to accuse her. I felt that he was. No, but he's complete lack of agency. And and that is what he's doing. I I felt that he was, this was him taking ownership. But I he's saying that he was over saying... the last two years, he hasn't been himself because of his relationship with Felicity. Like it mm, was just, I, don't... I escaped, I escaped, like I'm not myself, it's not me. I did not I did not take that the same way that you did, that he was attributing all of this to Felicity. I 
what I was gathering from this was that he has seen that he jumped from one roller coaster to the next and that he was looking for escapes and he was finding them. So I, I, when, by the time he gets to the end of this, I didn't feel that this was an accusation on Felicity. I felt that it was really, really sad when, when he says the last time I felt like me was sophomore year, I think that there's something about that where it's like, you feel so lost that you're not even sure. You're just not even sure what not lost looks like. And you have to figure out what the core is. And it looks like he's starting to try to figure that out. But that, you know, this jumping from sort of one thing to another, he, it, it feels like he was just lost is what he's saying when he was wrapped up in all of that. Um, yeah, he says, definitely. I don't know if I can get my life back on track, but mm-hmm. he, ha- but he does have an idea how he would do it. His first step is to be, I got to end this with Natalie. I think if he had said something like, I need to be with you, that would have maybe been a different well, what thing. What he said is, uh, I don't want to move every two years. Like yeah. I want to be with my friends. You know, I need to end this thing with Natalie. I miss you. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for when you feel so lost that you don't know which way is up. <clears throat> I think that he's the fact that he can start to articulate pieces of what he needs to get back to a normalcy. But in reality, he had his friends last year. You know, like there's there's pieces of what he's describing that he had, even while he had these escapes, but he's so off the rails right now that I think it's just like trying to figure out what would like, what does this picture of not lost look like? And the fact that like all those things you just listed, he's starting to name them. It's like, well, maybe that'll set me back towards the road of being on track. I don't know. I don't know if he knows what... I don't know if he knows exactly where he's trying to head as much as like, these are some steps to get clarity to get there. I mean, he does have his four-year plan he looked at mm-hmm. um, and he used to be really organized and it's only been three months, but. I wonder how much of his four-year plan still resonates for him. Like, I wonder if when he was looking at it, he was like, I want all of this still, or some of the if some of these experiences that he had with ruby and with natalie like i wonder if there are tweaks to it now well i do think he probably tweaked it while he was with ruby mm-hmm. um for me it's just been the last three months that he's been off the rails mm-hmm. so but the thing is he if he's trying to get his life back on track right It's like he wants to do it, but he's not sure he can. Got to end the thing with Natalie. Fine. But what is he actually doing to get as like a first step to get his life back on track? He's pulling Felicity out alone into the hallway. Mm -hmm. He, He is making her the kind of like center and balance and he's putting a lot on her mm-hmm. like i think in the past and i think in the present mm-hmm. and it's not like something she's shying away from like she was the one 
out of out of all the chaos, right? She was the mm-hmm. one who identified. I mean, it's kind of like what you were saying. Like, I can see how this could turn into a best friendship. I can see how they've been close in the past. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like he is he is putting too much on her, not taking enough on himself. And relying on her too much now, especially considering she's in a relationship and he's married. Yeah. I like, I like um, in terms of Felicity herself in this situation, I like that by the end of this episode in all the situations where she needs to be supportive or be a friend, like in this one, she says hardly anything Mm. to Noel. He basically just talks his way through this whole scene. Yeah. And she just listens. And I think that was what was required here. I think they, you know, all the friends came in hot with the intervention. And then she approached him at the door and was like, I recant. I apologize. We all made a mistake. We suck. You're awesome. Let's celebrate you. And that started to make Noel willing to see the original point um, in a way that he wasn't as resistant to. And here he's fully come to his own conclusions and she's just giving him space to, to talk through it. And, and I mean, I don't even know if I would call her a bouncing board here. (laughs) You know, she's just like absorbing it from him. And um, I do think that that was what was required here. I don't know if Noel ever could have gotten to this place without having those first two conversations but, uh, but here they are. And I think that she's, you know, she's just listening and not trying to make it about her and not trying to fix it. She's just listening. Yeah. And I guess what goes through my head is the person who was really, you know, giving advice about Ruby um, was Ben right? Like he was the support of Noel. And I'm just in my head, I'm trying to play this back. Mm-hmm. Imagining Noel had pulled Ben out instead. And what does that look like compared to what it looks like with Felicity? And yeah. I think that's from- a tough thing to even imagine, because I think Ben was invested in the Ruby situation, because Ben had a situation in his own life that it made him think about. So Ben approached Noel about it. But here, in this whole episode, Ben has been more like, let the man live. Let the, you know. But Noel hasn't heard that. Yeah. Right. He What he knows, what Noel knows is that Ben is one of the few people who has not attacked him and his wife. And mm-hmm. he's the guy who talked him through like almost a full year of dealing with Ruby and her pregnancy. Yeah. And so, and he's a guy and I don't know, I just feel like pulling Felicity out in the hallway instead. It's very pointed, you know, it's, it's, it is in a way. Unfortunately, they didn't set up this episode in a way that would make sense to us as the audience, because we've, you know, Felicity approached him at his door to get him to do the dinner and like, they've been building this whole thing where Felicity was sort of the, the central spokesperson. And if Ben was going to be that person, first of all, they needed to not be giving him like 
I don't care vibes <laughs> about this. And second of all, Ben's got bigger issues to deal with right now with his dad. Like I'm guessing that part of the reason why Ben's so like, I don't have bandwidth for this is that Ben's fully like twisted up by the fact that his dad's in town. I actually think it would have been nice in an alternate universe to see the conversation that you were having right now, but also have Ben be able to talk to Noel about his dad. Cause I wonder what that conversation would have been like. I don't know. Not that they've ever had that relationship. But yeah. I don't know, in like an alternate fan fiction sort of conversation, that would have mm-hmm. been nice. That would have been a heartwarming kind of kind of thing. Yeah, but I think they're setting it up purposefully that it is Felicity and not Ben that he's going to. Okay. And I think the reason is that he's he's... I don't know, relying on her. He like she's just such a big part of his world. It's almost like he revolves around her like she's the sun. And it's just like, dude, get your own orbit. Okay. You know? I hear you. I hear you. Also, last comment on this one. Great lighting. Loved the like hallway with like the the like the I guess old fixtures with the the lamps, like absolutely amazing lighting, terrible music. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's that. We're going to head now into a scene with Julie and Elena, where Julie is really, <laughs> she's like kind of had enough of Elena and her bullshit. Um, she's, so Elena's relaying all the stuff that's been happening between her and Tracy and now there's there's this temptation with Finn that's happening and she's working on this plan to go to lunch with him and she's like I just needed I just need a sign from God is what I need I I'll believe if I get a sign and Julie's like whoa you are not testing God here do not turn she says don't turn or whatever into a virtue but she's basically saying don't turn you cheating on Tracy into a virtue yeah and this is again very pointed right because you don't test god i mean that's like a huge part of the bible where it's like oh you know jesus just like jump off the mountain and you know it's the temptations of satan and it's like god will catch you and he's like no i don't i don't jump off the mountain you don't test god like huge part here and elena it's just so clear that she knows zero about like his beliefs and his religion and what is going on and has made zero attempt other than to kind of bug him and potentially not listen to what he's saying since she still has these questions Mm -hmm. um she's just she just doesn't seem to care that it's so important to him. And this is really to me more about her just trying to rationalize her choices in any way that she can. And Julie's not having it. She's yeah. like, I need you to be, see, I need you to be my buffer, Julie. She's like, <laughs> Julie says, you told him you don't have a boyfriend and I was standing right next to you. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing. Me being a buffer, <laughs> you know, like uh, I, I like how she's saying all that and, 
Julie says, well, what if he turns out not to be an idiot? And Felina's like, of course he'll turn out to be an idiot. And Julie says, what if he doesn't? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Julie's just had a, she's just had it. <laughs> I mean, she still goes. So apparently she hasn't. But mm, she's close. She is being put upon. And she also... <laughs> was one of the people who was she was the first one to say that he had a great butt yeah by the way um and now all of a sudden he's all over elena who has a boyfriend and whatever yeah yeah well okay now we're gonna go to another ben and his dad scene Mm. they're gonna meet up his dad gives him a gift a random cd that he doesn't know doesn't think doesn't know if Ben knows the person at the store was like this is pretty good yeah are they at Dean and DeLuca I think they're in another cafe oh okay a cafe that we uh has a different and like a different seating area but it does initially when you look at the door look like Dean and DeLuca yeah okay um they have this scene where they're both sitting they're sitting in chairs up against a wall next to each other. They're shoulder to shoulder. They're having this conversation where they're only looking at each other sometimes. And this is a, this is a loaded scene. This is a terribly written scene. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It's just not life. I, I don't understand how this comes out of a writer's room. If like, has nobody ever known an alcoholic or done any like research? Um, like if they've done a step nine, right? His dad has already said everything to Ben, everything mm-hmm. that he has done and taken accountability and responsibility for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So when he says, I'd like to come out more often fine and when ben turns around and says like don't do that you know don't don't say that you're going to come out um because what i'm not going to do it yeah what i've learned is that you say you're going to do something and you don't they've already had that conversation and then when his dad is like i'm 48 i can't remember one thing about your childhood he's already said that and then on top of it he's like what was i doing mm-hmm. what could have been so important and it's like you're an alcoholic alcohol is your entire life mm-hmm. everything is subsumed to alcohol including your family your health your friends it is no alcohol like you just wouldn't say this mm-hmm. if you've been in the program and if you're doing a step nine and if you have a sponsor either he's doing it terribly or like none of this has happened and then he's like conflating it with and time goes by so fast mm-hmm. and starts crying again yeah and it's just like and then empathetic Ben grabs his wrist and then his dad holds his hand and they're side by side, just kind of staring. Yeah. Like the writers either need (sighs) to make it very clear that Ben's father is not following the program 
and doesn't have a sponsor and is not going through it, or they need to write it as if he was. Mm -hmm. But to like give us this as the outcome (laughs) is there's just, uh, it makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know really what there is for me to say with that. I think, um, I think that if I take it at face value, what they've given us here, I think that what they're showing is Ben feels like Ben's a bit torn between the probably very healthy skepticism that he has in this situation versus the, well, my dad's tearing up in all these conversations never seen the man do all this before he obviously feels something this seems different this is a new thing so i think that he's sort of pulled in those directions but i you know i i I do like that he's articulating here like don't do that like in the past like you don't say that you're going to do something if you know you're not going to do it you know and i think it's i needed to see the skepticism uh, like for, for me, because Ben's coming off of a lifetime of this guy being horrible to him and, and abandoning him. And so I see no reason why would Ben would have a quick turnaround on this. Um, and I think the fact that there's this pull is getting denoted by the physical touch and, you know, Ben's sort of looking at his dad when his dad's welling up and being like, what is all this? You know, <laughs> like never seen this before. Um, Yeah. And is, you know, Ben says is, you know, what you say isn't the same as what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I I think it's a slightly different from saying, um, like, don't say you're going to do something if you know you're not, because Mm -hmm. I don't think it's that though. If you know you're not. Yeah. Okay. So then that. that I also think goes to a, like, again, he doesn't understand what's going on because I, I don't think in any world does his dad know he's not going to show up, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he he wants to, he commits to something. It's, he's not doing, he's not buying Yankees tickets to like not show up, mm-hmm. right? So it's, I don't know. But but I understand what Ben is doing here. He's saying, like, this is the thing that hurts me. Yeah. Right? And if you loved me, right, if you want to make this better, don't do the thing that hurts me. Yeah. Right? Ben's giving his dad some really important roadmap information here. Like, you want a relationship? Here's one thing not to do. And um, it's just... You know, his dad likely doesn't have any control over yeah. it. Yeah. And so it's just, it is, it's a sad, it's a sad situation that I, I think either needed to be dealt with more or like dealt with less in the script. Mm-hmm. We're certain we're going to see more stuff with Ben's dad down the road. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle it in the future. Um, well, we're going to see more stuff in this episode too. Um, but first we're going to head back to the Elena, Julie Finn combo. 
Yeah. So remember huh. when I told you to remember the Diet Coke? Yep. Look what we got here. Pepsi. Okay. Competing brand. Do you know how Whoa. hard it is to get product placement from two competing brands in the same episode? Like, well, if they didn't ask for exclusive placement. not. I Next mean, time they need to pay goodness. more. Yeah. It was impressive. Uh, it's impressive. It's almost as impressive as a uh, towel guy being pre-law. He's interested in criminal defense and he's waxing poetic on this subject. He's got a whole speech that he gives about capital. Events. <laughs> <laughs> and you can just see Elena's like, oh man. <laughs> and Julia's like, well, this is definitely not an idiot. Um, yeah. Well, and then and he's got manners too i mean finn mm -hmm. gets up to get more pizza he says julie do you all want a piece julie says no thanks <laughs> she like, intends to some. leave right away <laughs> and so he he goes off to get some more pizza and that gives julie a chance to say i want to leave i want to leave right now i yeah, hate I being the third wheel yeah she's just i mean you can tell she's already fed up but like this i think just goes even more to the fact that like she kind of called dibs on this guy's butt okay. and like now she's third wheeling it with I, I mean i just have to say this for the record because look i'm all about like new york pizza is amazing but this pizza looks really gross like it has been out there for hours dried out gross okay and what does julie do well so finn comes back and he got her another slice anyway julie decides yeah. to stay at the table uh, elena coaxes her into it she's like you have to be here you are my buffer he's not an idiot i need you no more than ever for whatever reason julie stays and then he comes back with a slice of pizza for julie as well it's like just in case and uh you're right she does take a nice big bite out of the pizza i love it so much i just love her um she commit guys okay i understand i never knew before we started doing this podcast how little regard people have for julie and <laughs> the felicity community i did not know i apologize I am now learning the scope of how much we don't like this character. But what I love is that Amy Jo Johnson eats when it's time to eat. Okay. <laughs> that is it. Um, that's right. And it was a first bite of a new piece of pizza. So I don't know how many times I had to do this scene, but she always had to take that bite. <laughs> yep. Which is the best bite. So, I mean, good on her for figuring that out. That's it. I do wonder, though, I mean, and you, I guess you started to share your thoughts on this, but I'm trying to figure out why she stays at that table. And so you're saying that she actually... She likes him. She wants Finn herself. She was, I mean, she's attracted to him, I think. I think she's a little it's, salty for other reasons, but, like, she definitely mentioned his butt. Like, she's, I don't think that's the main thing she's feeling, but Because, I mean, it's, there. it's a clear dynamic. Like, Finn has asked Elena out. Elena is bringing her along. She yes. is, in fact, the third wheel here. So if you're there because you're interested in Finn, I just... No, no, no. She's definitely there for Elena. But she's also attracted to Finn. And has been since the first time we all saw him in the Velcro towel. Yeah. Gosh, I don't know. Um, all right. So we're going to get Noel now. 
Knowles back at his place. Natalie comes home. Yeah, I mean, who would who would have thought to look at your place for your partner? This scene, uh, she clothes. doesn't say a word. Yeah, her, but I, but when she walks in that door, I mean, this outfit is just to die for. I mean, it is. Oh my god. I mean, you see, yeah, I don't know. She's just. She, I mean, she's gorgeous. She but has her so much presence. Are, yeah. They were like, walk in, be beautiful, and be pissed. Yeah. And don't say a word. <laughs> and she executed. Okay. Absolutely. She executed. She her movements here, like the script says, Noel <laughs> has the most ambling way of awkwardly softening, trying to, but failing to soften a breakup. Yeah. He's Natalie. Like trying to, <laughs> to like make her feel better about what just happened while also agreeing with what just happened. And can you use as many words and sentences as possible, Noel? Yeah. And then the direction for Natalie is walk in, be beautiful, be gorgeous, go walk into the bathroom, look at him annoyed, come out, be pissed. <laughs> like, Start and packing. Deck him. Yeah. Finish packing. Oh my goodness. And then just everything she did here, I was just, I was kind of with her every second, to be honest, because I was hearing yeah. stuff that was actually coming out of his mouth. Oh my goodness. I was like, how, how are words coming out of a mouth so full of feet? Like, <laughs> it was awful. You, you have so many feet, like in there. Yeah. It was, I'm glad just we had the same feeling stop. about this. Just stop talking. <laughs> I, I only wrote down some of the things that he said, and I sort of paraphrased along the way, but here's some of the ways that he puts feet in his mouth. I know you're angry. And you know, that makes sense. But my friends are, they're worried. Makes, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of sweet. They're worried about me possibly it's ruining sweet. my life by being with you. Well, um, my friends, you know, it's sweet. My friends, you know, think that I'm throwing my life away by marrying you. And, and I disagree initially. initially. <laughs> you know, that, uh, that maybe this isn't exactly the right thing Natalie's packing. Yep. He's like, I mean, look, with you, summer, oh my God, it was a wild ride, but summer can't last forever. Yeah. It's and in the competitive now. job market today. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the summer can't last forever. It's fall now. <laughs> yes. He's like, um, we're shifting. Mm -hmm. He's babbling about, you know, the competitiveness of the job market. And like, he, the, maybe that doesn't belong in a breakup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but we see where he's going. Market. It's like, she wants to move and like, he can't, can't keep getting a, getting new jobs everywhere and maybe money doesn't just work itself out. Mm -hmm. And then he gets to the like, shift of the season. Yeah. And then he's like, and, and I know we said vows and yeah, those are sacred. sacred vows, sacred vows, but <laughs> <laughs> they were set in a casino. And I had just had that snifter of Kanye. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were a couple of things that, that led to the marriage in addition to the the love and sacredness 
Meanwhile, every time he gets to a butt, <laughs> she just looks at him and she's like, yeah. nah, you didn't. You're not set. Don't <laughs> even know. And then he says the stupid thing. He's like, I think you would agree with me, right? I mean, at this point, he's made some very compelling arguments. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> laid it out for her. He's thought it through. He didn't practice, but he nope. he thought it through the bullet points of it all. And then he's like, obviously, yeah. we just shouldn't be married. Nope. Yep. And I think she agreed with him in that moment and just expressed herself physically rather than verbally with her fist in his face. Yeah, she just, oh, yeah. she laid him all the way out. And and she, I, what I enjoyed a lot about it is, like, I feel like through the entire, the entire time she was, she's going to go to the bathroom, I'm going to come out, uh, I'm going to pack, I'm going to be done packing. The whole time she knew that she was going to punch him yeah like she knew where this was ending she's like i'm just gonna i'm gonna wait like i don't want to punch him and then have to pack i'm just gonna pack and then all right and then she just like winds up her whole body to like punch him because she's you know rather petite like she's very thin you know Mm -hmm. and she's just like let me put my whole body into this (laughs) The thing, okay, here's the thing about Natalie. To me, she has always authentically been herself. Yeah. There's nothing that we know about her right now that's different from when the first episode when we saw her when she first met Noel. And also, I've seen, again, no evidence that Javier is correct that she is evil. Yeah. So it's like, now, if you're Natalie... I don't know if you have perspective or would want to think about or appreciate this idea that maybe you're a phase in this guy's otherwise geeky life. You know, if that's how she's looking at it, like she's a phase. She may not have that perspective, but she has always been herself. And Noel seemed to like that. And And they got married. They got married. I mean, that doesn't usually scream phase because remember that he told her about ruby so like he could have gotten married to this woman who was having a child who he loved and cared about but he didn't marry her Mm-mm. he married natalie mm-hmm. doesn't yeah. scream like summer fling to me yeah but it is fall now and there was that snifter <laughs> of cognac so I, just, I i don't know i feel for natalie here natalie is going to be fine you know yeah. natalie can I, take care I, I of herself like, yeah. but i just feel like uh, it's you know it's not mm. like she was faking it or being somebody else to try to yeah. snag him this was her always and it is a little bit what javier said it was like you know she just what did he say she's a man destroyer or a man destroyer a man destroyer yeah like she she kind of like grabs the guy like the guys just come to her and she destroys them and chucks them and yeah jury's still out about what those lines were but they both work 
Probably. If anyone knows who Amanda Sawyer is. If there's an Amanda Sawyer who is Amanda Destroyer, you just let us know. If not, it's probably Amanda Destroyer. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So we're going to see just a little setup here with Ben and Felicity. Um, so Ben reveals, oh, just came back from this chat with his dad. Dad got him this gift. And tickets to tonight's Yankees game and Felicity should come with us. Yeah, good thing he invited her. Yeah, it's a good thing that he invited her indeed. Um, That was just a quick one for setup. So now we're going to go back to the documentary style Mm -hmm. and Sean is interviewing Felicity, who apparently now knows that Natalie hit Noel and I guess first thing Noel did was pick up the phone and gripe to Felicity and then Felicity checked in. It turns out Elena knows a lawyer or somebody uh, who's studying at yeah, least Noel, to be a lawyer. Noel wants a lawyer. Yeah. Like when he picked up that phone to gripe to Felicity, he was like, I want a lawyer. Yeah. Like, and- I mean, this is the next step, right? There, there was the step of telling Felicity needs to end things with Natalie then extremely, extremely poorly ending things with Natalie. Mm-hmm. And now there's the legal. Yeah. And so the best they can do at this point is go to somebody who's got law textbooks. So, yeah. so Finn, tell guy is back. Yeah. Finn's going to get pulled into this. Finn's everywhere, everywhere mm-hmm. in this episode. Yeah. He, this is, this scene is just, so it's Noah's totally it. unhinged now. He's mad. He got punched in the face and now he's mad. Now he is really mad. So. I mean, look, <laughs> he spent so much time coming up with all those great reasons and, and like softening the blow for her. Yeah. Yeah. And for her to turn around and just. He was, he was thinking about her. Okay. He was trying to make the it whole easier. time. Whole time. Yeah. So uh, there's some options. Finn's some like. Options. Maybe an yeah. annulment. Yeah. No. And then well, Noel's like, no. It requires an agreement. And Noel, Noel just he takes the ice pack away from his face and says, Does this look like we're getting to an agreement? This is <laughs> mm, no. He's like, okay, how about okay, how about a no-fault divorce? No nope. says. No. There's a fault. Look at my eye. Fault. It's her fault. All her fault. And and all of you, all of you saw it. All of you can attest. She she manipulated me. Oh, he's now fully on board with the intervention. Mm-hmm. He has reread Richard's memo. Oh, yeah. So Finn's like, okay, well, let's just, so how about shared assets? Yeah. A plate. That's an expensive plate. I want the plate. <laughs> his, it was bought with his money. It's his plate. Yeah. Felicity now jumps in. She's like, no. And she's going to, in as many words as possible, as calmly as she can, ask him to stay calm. But she's like, what about, so what about mediation? No. Nope. was like, no, plate's not being mediated. <laughs> <laughs> Felicity's and this like, whole time, I just there's these little shots of Elena just looking at towel guy and clearly getting more and more turned on because he knows the stuff. 
So yeah. now Felicity's like, okay, okay, this is, this is off the rails. She's like, look, no, I totally, if I were in your position, I'd be, I'd, I'd be feeling the same way, but you know, I think it would be, be helpful, you know, cause you want to get on track. Mm-hmm. Most That's helpful way to about. do that is to stay calm. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't help actually. No. <laughs> oh. That makes Noel freak out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So Finn's kind of had enough of this. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, well, you know what? He has a timer that goes off and you just know he doesn't have a class. And he was just like at two o'clock, I'm going to have an alarm that goes off so I can get out of this conversation if I need to. Um, I mean, he's not a dummy. He knows what's up. Finn yeah. is like, I need to head to class. Elena's going to see him out the door. Sean's going to invite Noel to stay at the loft if he wants that. Right. We passed over this earlier. So here, I think it makes complete sense that Sean would say, no, you can live at the loft. I mean, Mm -hmm. they've been through all this stuff. But remember before when they, you know, Natalie had just found out about the the intervention paper Mm -hmm. and she left, like two different people, Sean and someone else, both offer to have Noel stay at their place at that point. Yeah. And at that point, Noel has given no indication to anyone that he doesn't want to be with Natalie. Yeah. Why are all these people offering to have him not stay at his apartment with his wife? Yeah. That yeah. was weird. I found that weird. I'm sorry that it took me so long to get to it. I think that's a nice friend thing to do, though. It's like, look, you might not need it, but you've got an option. Now, I think if you're doing it at the point where he's not on board, that there's a problem, then that's yeah. an issue. But I do think. And also, that... he doesn't know where his wife is. He probably needs to go home. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we're going to head from here to another Finn, Julie, Elena moment. Yeah. They're all in Elena's room listening to music. And Julie's like, I'm out. Yep. Tall guy goes over, he turns on the music and Elena preempts this in the documentaries by saying, my buffer left. Why is she talking to Sean in the documentary about needing a buffer? Don't Don't document that. Yeah. Bad idea, Elena. Seems like it, right? So Finn is going to go over and sit down with Elena on the bed and he's holding her hand. Yeah. And then leans in for the kiss. Well, so Melissa and I took a minute here because I saw this picture in the background and I was like, is that a, like he's seen Tracy. Is that a picture of Tracy? And, and I made Melissa like pause it like five times to try to figure out. Think I was looking at the wrong. I didn't have yeah, the right picture. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But I could, I couldn't, couldn't figure it out. I was like, "There's no way that he just doesn't notice a picture of the guy who was calling our baby, right?" So I'm like, "This is definitely not a picture of Tracy." All right, continue. So Finn leans in for the kiss. Elena starts to be ready to receive it, but then the picture on the nightstand falls over onto the floor. The exact one that I had just said is not of Tracy. So I guess, I guess in the end, it does make the most sense if it's a picture of Tracy, though, if you're in a relationship Especially with somebody. Because she says, 
it's, it's a picture of my boyfriend. Yeah. And she, and so he's like, wait, wait, wait your boy, you said, but you said you don't have a boy. She's like, I lied, but she's so excited yeah. about it because she just had a sign. Yep. Um, it is a little, I don't know. I, I would have expected it to be a picture of Elena and Tracy together, right. but okay. Yes, that would have been my thought. That's fine. Um, so Elena is so excited about her newfound religious bent that she's she runs to find Tracy who's in the middle of taking a test because that's how we do it here on the show yeah we just interrupt people <laughs> taking tests and she pulls him out of the room to tell him that she believes in God she has had a spiritual awakening and it has caused her lips to need to be pressed very tightly to his as she jumps up and down in the hallway and he's like and he asks the natural question like why what yeah. inspired and she's like I just believe okay love fish was like please don't tell him please yeah. don't tell him I was like do not like she runs out and I was like don't tell him don't tell him don't tell him yeah why the no. sudden belief in God <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Elena's not a dummy either. Yeah. So there's that. Um, Okay. So now we're going to get back to some Noel and Natalie. Noel is packing. Noel has an attitude. He's got an attitude. He's got an attitude. He he's carried over his anger from from his you know rebuffed, polite asking to dissolve of their marriage. (laughs) um and do you see how quickly natalie just makes all of it disintegrate well she's like (laughs) she's like you know what uh you know i mean it's i I don't know i kind of feel like she was a little bit like okay my bad for punching you in the face but like aren't you over it yet like i brought pizza for breakfast she i don't know i feel like I don't know what she's trying to do in this scene, but all I know is it's full yeah, seduction do. mode. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's full seduction mode, but I'm maybe is she trying to convince him to stay in the relationship? Probably. I didn't is that think what's so. I, I mean, it, it felt like she wanted someone to go with her to Oktoberfest. Did she want it to be Noel? Like, yeah, but also if it turned out to be like, one last fuck I think she'd also be kind of fine with that I don't know I don't know what she's doing here but she's so she comes back she's carrying Johnny's she's like I've got breakfast your favorite pepperoni and mushroom I don't know whatever it was and then she's like well and he's he's obviously livid and she's like well so what do we do do I what do we have some paperwork to fill out he's like well I found this website (laughs) annulment.com good great interface to make it really easy she's like um okay you're adorable you're so and adorable she just starts seducing and she just gives yeah. a little nibble on the cheek just kind of like puts her hand under his shirt and she just starts she's behind him mm-hmm. and she's not going she's put the pizza down yeah let's so she has two hands to work with yeah she's behind him she's and like- there's no way for him to really get away or like because he's packing so she's like well and you can see like the angry to horny meter is like yeah. very quickly starting to shift and um because every little button gets undone like by the second button 
at the point when she says less angry (laughs) you'll forget about me yeah and then that's too much he turns around he's like i will never forget about you and just like he would never drop her that's true and then she says in this super sweet seductive voice she says you'll always be my first husband leon i know he goes oh god i know (laughs) (laughs) They, they do it um I mean, he may have just finished and they may have had to wait an hour. She's just like irresistible to him. Look at her. To him. I mean, I think she's pretty much irresistible to anyone attracted to women. Probably. I'm attracted to her. My God. I mean, look at her. She's gorgeous. I want her clothes. I want her midriff. I want her hair. I mean, I don't, I don't want to own them. I, I want to look like that. Let let me make that very clear. Fair enough. Fair enough. As an actress, she is so spot on with everything they gave her. I believe every second of what they have her doing on screen. I don't doubt it for a moment. And I I just feel like that's got to be really powerful because the thing is they're asking a lot of us, you know, like they're asking us to believe that there's this person who could basically force a complete personality change and have Noel assume an alter ego. And I look at her and how she is with him and how he is with her. And I, I see it. I see why this has all happened. And then just that, those two lines, those, (laughs) you'll always be my first husband, Leon and him going, Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, this is, Everything I need to know about how they got here. Yep. <laughs> Everything. Well, yeah. Ah. It's, you know, they're, they're yes. just those women, apparently, that make men do crazy things. Ah, my gosh. He's one of them. Okay. Now, in shocking news, uh, Elena, it's it's a morning. Elena's getting, I don't know, brushing her teeth, brushing her teeth. in the morning. Yeah, just in the the shared bathroom of of the uh, her apartment, which I was very confused by when someone who doesn't live in her apartment walks in. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Are you still sharing a communal bathroom with I don't know your neighbors?" But yeah, no, that's not Finn, what was happening. Finn comes in, and yeah. she's like, "Huh?" Yeah. And then Julie comes in with her hair all unkempt, like it's the morning after. Yep. And and Finn leaves right quick. Yeah. Does he then, kiss her? Does he kiss Julie? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like he kissed her. It was just mm-hmm. sort of like both of them were like, kind of, you know, f you. Yeah, Elena. And then Elena looks at Julie and she says what a buffer mm-hmm. and julie says i don't need your attitude right now okay mm-hmm. what a tense dynamic these two have there's just too many things here that are too weird between them yeah i feel like julie is being self-destructive mm. like she she's really leaning into the like let me like push people away let me feel better let me not care let me like whatever and 
She she doesn't want to hear it from Elena. She doesn't want Megan bullying her. And by the way she was bullying her, was Megan just saying that she wanted a place to live? Mm-hmm. Um, like she's, she's just not. She's just not going to. Okay. Thinking about this from the standpoint of, I guess, a lot of the audience doesn't like Julie. I'm just going to posit this. I'm ta- I'm thinking about this as I'm talking it out because I've never thought about this before. Okay. My thing with Julie was that freshman year, you know, Felicity has been pining for Ben forever. Mm-hmm. And then you go after Ben. You know that for a uh, much less time, Elena has been interested in Finn, though Elena's occupied, but Elena has been interested in Finn and then you snag Finn. Then I just want to add a third one to this. And these are all three very different things, but I'm just putting this together. Megan articulated, I think Sean's cute. Yeah. And was obviously starting to develop feelings for Sean that she was articulating to the girls. And then Julie kisses him. I don't know. I see, Is this I see too much? This, Have I gone too far? I don't know. I mean, there, there's a little bit there in that multiple guys are attracted to her and she kind of says yes when she wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sean had expressed his feelings for Julie. That's true. Like very strong. Like when Megan says, I think he's cute, like Julie was in the process of getting a date on the books with Sean. Okay. So that well, and then I also want to add one more. Kissing Noel when Ruby was well, that was a weird episode. That would that was not something I was looking forward to. Um, Yeah, I that one. Did she? I'm trying to remember. I don't think I felt bad because of Ruby. I thought I felt bad because of Noel. That I gave Julia a worst for that episode. That yeah. one I agree with you on. Okay. Um, but this one, I would say, first of all, she called dibs by saying that he had a great butt first. Okay. And then Elena moved in. Okay. But he was clearly interested in Elena, but Elena has a boyfriend. And she's making Julie help her cheat on her boyfriend. Like, I don't really think Elena has a leg to stand on there, but I do agree that Ju- that is it, this is part of Julie's MO, right? She said from the start, I have a very hard time saying no to guys. Mm-hmm. This has always been her thing and they treat her badly. And I'm just this girl that it stuff happens to. Yeah. And I think she's leaning into that victim, like mentality, self-destructive. Like I felt what, what she had just done and that scene and even the way it was lit, where it was like really dark right behind Julie and Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like they're like, they were, she was leaning into something dark. Okay. There's something going on. So right. fair enough. We have one more scene from this episode. And okay, so we know that Ben and Felicity are supposed to meet Ben's dad to go to a Yankees game. I guess they were gonna 
meet at Epstein bar, maybe have some food beforehand or something or a drink. Well, not for him, I guess just food. I guess it was just a meeting place. I was going to say, um, again, not, not good on their part to have <laughs> to show a meeting place at a bar yeah. early recovery. I'm just saying. Yeah. So we do see that Ben and Felicity are at Epstein bar and they're waiting for dad, but we can see he's already late. Um, but they're just like, all right, well, they're, I think that they're at the bar at first waiting for him. Yeah. And he's already late. And then we see that they switch to a booth and, and Ben's drinking a beer. So like, it's been a minute. Well, and also, if your dad's an alcoholic, you're going to, like, he's going to show up at a bar and be around people who are drinking. Like, this is not model behavior. It's not. But at this point, it's getting later and later and later. And Ben's probably. I'm saying from his dad's perspective, like, this, this is not okay for his own recovery. Yeah. So it really doesn't surprise me that he doesn't show up because my guess is he's either drunk or like he had gotten drunk before and maybe is at a meeting, but like, it seems like he's ashamed of something at this point. Well, we, we don't really know. We just see that he's not there. All we can see is the impact this is having on Ben and we just kind of keep cutting, you know, Ben keeps, he's looking at the clock. He's looking at the door. Anytime somebody comes in, oh, is that, is that his dad? No, it's not his dad. And we can see that time is passing here. And then I think they, when at some point they show us the clock and it's after, it's well after nine, which yeah. I've got to figure the game's probably nearly over or, or it like. It depends on what time the game through. started. If it was a seven o'clock start, let's say, yeah, then like, it could be well, yeah. well underway. Well into the game, yeah. Um, and so finally, Ben's just kind of had enough. He just he need he's having a flight reflex. Felicity is he's against the window. Felicity is the one that's on the end that you, you, she'd have to stand up for him to get out. But he's like so needing to get out of this booth that she's just, she just like stands up, lets him go out. He walks out. She, hey, remember, yep. be sure to tip your waiter, yep. be sure to pay your yep. waiter. She takes a moment, <laughs> puts some money on the table. Thank you, Felicity. Good job. And then she walks out after him and Ben's, Ben was waiting for her. He didn't just storm off, but like he's, he's just pacing outside the restaurant and or the bar and he's livid. He's so angry. He's so like physically agitated by this. Yeah. Um, he can't sit or stand still. He's just so frustrated. And she comes up and he immediately starts naming all the types of chairs that he sat in waiting for his dad when his dad didn't show. Yeah. And he's like, I told myself yeah. I was never going to sit in another chair waiting for him. Mm-hmm. And here we are. He's doing the same old stuff. And Felicity says, it's different this time. He's like, but it's not. And she says, well, this time you have me. Yep. And actually, I don't think those lines have ever hit me so hard. Like I was tearing up when I heard them this time. Mm. And I was like, oh, man. I don't know why. I mean, I, I just. What a, I mean, 
they don't put you in a position of understanding why the dad wasn't there. They put you in a position of watching the impact that it has on Ben. And we get to see Felicity experience that with Ben for the first time. Mm-hmm. And while it's not her dad, like she's not, she doesn't have that level of closeness to the situation, but watching him go through this probably feels like torture to her. Yeah. So it's like, she is more, she's closer now to the situation than she ever was before. And she sees what it does to Ben. So just, and what I love about Carrie Russell's delivery of the, this time you have me, she says it so resolutely. She is standing firmly in place. She says, this time you have me. And she holds her gaze. And I almost feel like it calms Ben down. Like he there's, it just injects that little tiny bit of stillness he might've needed to just like get through the next minute. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was a little bit of an awkward scene for me because she she does she says that and it's like he's so mad like he he can't even touch her right mm-hmm. and <clears throat> so once she says that they turn away from the camera and they start walking away and they're like separated by a little distance Mm -hmm. and they're just walking and then he like reaches over and kind of like holds her hand a little bit and then they have this really like awkward like he puts his arm around it it, like it looked really awkward to me and i so much so that i went and tried to look up like when did they break up? Like, was this after they broke? Because we'd seen them fit so well together, right? And and her like just right in that little pocket with him. And this was so awkward. It's funny you say that because I thought the opposite. This is an awkward position that I've never tried to achieve with somebody that I was walking next to. And it looked like they'd done it a lot. Really? Like it looked, it looked like uh it looked like the walking version of curling up against each other on a couch. And I didn't actually know that was possible because I feel like you just (laughs) jostle each other, but something about it. Like, I do like the fact that he initially, like they couldn't have any physical touch because I think she needed to see how it was going to land when she said, you have me this time. And they, they walked together and I think him sort of reaching out and pulling her in and then her sort of folding into him while they're walking. It was like, he's accepted her offer. I don't know if it was an offer, but like, I do have you. I mean, it felt to me like first he's walking along and then he, he like reaches out to touch her. And part of the awkwardness was he then sort of like grabs her and pulls her over like i need you like kind of almost a vacuum like towards him but then it was like they were in this very weird awkward position and i was just like okay well i mean they took that takes maybe it was just a weird take but um no i thought i thought it was lovely i think it's an awkward moment i think i think that he comes out of the bar red hot yeah and and in a lot of pain and in a lot of pain and then it's her right and she's seeing him in this pain and she was feeling it build for all Mm -hmm. for hours sitting in the bar 
And what can you say? Like, because for the person who's been like, oh, maybe it'll be a better visit this time, you know, like it wasn't. Nope. You know? And so like, she's not trying to say any of that. She's just saying, well, you have me. And it's like, how, how can I, what can I do just to make the pain a little less, you know, like, is there, is me being here? Can I do that just a little, just to help you get to the next minute? And I think, um, I don't feel like this is a scene where I need to see them like perfectly fit together in this passionate embrace and kiss. I feel like he's so hurting and just, just to reach out for a second is so telling, you know, I think you're right. I think that he, maybe he may be feeling a need for her in this moment now that she's done that maybe in the same way that Noel's feeling a need. Um, You know, there's a, there's a pain happening and like, maybe that's not the, maybe it's not healthy for him to be relying on her, but she, but uh, I don't know. She's there. She's offering it up and he's accepting it. Yeah. You know, but, but the problem is still there, you know, like it, you know, her being there for him doesn't mean the problems with his dad are going away, but it's something he didn't have before the support system. He, ne- he never had the support system with his mom. Exactly. You yeah. know, like who could he talk to about this? I'm guessing he didn't. I'm guessing he did sports. I'm yeah. guessing sports was the answer. Yeah. And sports helps. Don't get me wrong. Sports helps, but like having a person um it's gotta be an interesting new layer for him to add like just to be able to communicate with somebody even to be able to communicate with her about the phone call he received before he even saw his dad like to to now have somebody that you can start to have a shorthand with who's on your side you know like who's who wants you to be okay um because his mom couldn't do that ever yeah just couldn't and i mean i I get that he's mad and that he's in pain, but I think there was always a part of him that thought his dad wasn't going to show, which is why he invited her in the first place. Mm, Because it seems like a weird, yeah, it seems like a weird time to introduce her to his dad. Like he's just showed up again. He's like said he's an alcoholic. He's like doing a step nine. He's, you know, th- this does not seem like the let's introduce you to my girlfriend moment. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe let him prove a bit more that he's going to be around yeah. and like then have a nice introduction. It it seemed to me like he 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 got a little bit of hope up and and because he'd been hurt so many times, even the tiniest little bit of hope, it it made him feel mad and probably mad at himself. Like kind of that he was stupid or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and he invited her because he only really had that tiny bit of hope. He didn't, I don't know that he really, really thought his dad was going to show up. Yeah. 
Well, I wanted to add in, um, I didn't know where to put this because it's not really a fully formed thought, but I was thinking about like notes from an optimist. I have a couple things I want to say here. Also bringing in a movie I saw recently. So um, I think something about the way that Felicity with more than one character in this episode, she's sort of changing her technique of how she's supporting people here and like holding space for people a little bit more and listening to them more. And I, I first on the note from an optimist, I think that's sometimes exactly what people need. Like sometimes they need, they're sitting with their own thoughts and they need to feel okay sitting with somebody else while sitting with their thoughts. And I think that she does a good job of like sort of evolving into that with some of these things that are happening, some of these crisis moments that her, her friends and her boyfriend are having here. Um, I saw a film recently that I just wanted to name drop it here and fish you and I, I've, I've kind of hinted at this or talked a little bit about this film a couple times recently, but I recently saw the film Alice Darling. And for those of you who are listening, uh, I want to encourage people to see it, but caution you about what it's about. So it's uh, Anna Kendrick stars in this film and she is a woman who is clearly in a psychologically or emotionally abusive relationship. And you don't see a lot of the abuse, but what you do see is the, the effect it's had on her. So you see this woman who's like, really in sort of like a, she's like she curled up into herself and uh you start to get little hints along the way what that what has led to this and what the relationship looks like and early in the film they set up that she's got these two pretty close friends who her her boyfriend has been trying to isolate her from those people but they end up planning a, a getaway for one of the friend's birthdays and it's a good long time away and while they're away her friends really start to see like, oh my goodness, what is happening to her? And they're becoming kind of alarmed about what, she, what her world is starting to look like and how she's behaving. And um, I, I, the, it, it's a really interesting film. It's a really beautiful friendship story. And it's probably like the most effective film I've seen in a long time that shows what subtlety there can be that still has this effect in a relationship. Um, and so I guess the reason I wanted to bring it up here was that something that that movie made me think about is at what point in a friendship do you have an intervention or just listen? And I think, uh, so I don't necessarily know that there's a one size fits all right and wrong with this. And it's something that I've thought about a lot recently as I saw that movie. And as I was watching this, like the intervention with Nolan Natalie, badly done, badly timed, <laughs> badly thought out, badly executed. Some of the stuff Felicity's doing here, I think it's pretty well done. I think that there's that, that conversation she has with Noel, the second conversation where she's just like, I'm sorry, I apologize. We did this wrong. We should be supporting you. But it's still throwing in a couple lines here and there, like, you know, I just knew he was a guy who had a plan and it plans to seed that he was a guy who had a plan and it makes him think. And so I like that she didn't just sit with it and not say anything to him. Um, 
but that she then later comes back and listens. So I just, I don't know. I'm really starting to look more at like as a friend or as somebody standing by, at what point do you step in or say something? At what point do you just say, this is how it's going to be? Um, like it's, you're an adult, it's your choice. And um, I really as a note from an optimist, I like the position that Felicity grows into here because I think that she, she holds some space for people who need it held at the right moments. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't know how she's going to continue in future episodes, but I hope it's more like this than maybe how it's been in the past where she might've been a little self-centric um Mm i i like this side of her um the one that has the empathy the one that you know listens and and as you said like listens and absorbs and understands what's needed um i think it's always an admirable quality for people to have Mm -hmm. um and it's one that is far too rare. Yeah. And I also want to watch this movie. It really floored me, that movie. I think a lot of films try really hard to be like, it's so obviously abusive that, like, you know, like, it's like, it's it's physical, it's this, it's that. And sometimes it doesn't look like that. Yeah. And it's still abuse. And it still hits you really hard as the receiver. And sometimes the more subtle stuff is even harder to break the pattern yourself because it's like, but they're not doing this and they're not doing that. And like to see a film that is so comfortable to lean into, like, let's look at that stuff. Yeah. And I don't know what else we're going to see between Ben and his dad, but other than like maybe one or two kind of, I think maybe just one offhand comment in, you know, two plus a little seasons, uh, he hasn't really talked about the physical side of things. I mean, everything that he is talking about here is emotional, you know, the like being abandoned. I don't think we're ever going to see a physical moment between Ben and his dad, but we are going to, there's like a particular episode that I'm thinking of that's rather egregious. And I think it, I don't know what category it falls into, to be honest with you. Um, A lot of it is like the, you're not hitting me, but this isn't right sort of moments. Um, Yeah. So I do think that this, this is going to explore that, but you're right. They've often alluded to it being a physical, well, not often, but they've alluded in the past to it being physical altercations or that Ben was getting in the middle of physical altercations between his dad and his mom. And that's how it became physical for him. So I don't know if I remember them saying that Ben's dad specifically picked fights with Ben. I felt like it was always Ben stepping in to protect his mom. I mean, they really haven't talked much about it. I feel like it may have only had one mention so far Mm -hmm. and it was very vague, but it definitely was like physical versus just um just emotional or psychological but so far the result that we've seen and the the things that that ben has had to deal with Mm -hmm. 
as far as I can tell, have all been on the emotional, psychological side. Yeah. Like he's not out there saying like, oh, you know, my dad broke this or like did that. He's saying like, I waited for him. I had like, he never showed up. He was never let And John, John Ritter is saying like your whole childhood went by and like, I don't remember it. Like I well, was never there. And we there. also know that the gambling issue started because Ben's dad withheld payment for his tuition mm-hmm. and told Ben that it was to teach him a lesson. Yeah. And we also know that gambling is addictive and addiction goes often between generations. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that, you know, his dad is an alcoholic, you know, gives probably gives Ben a little or should at least give Ben a little um, pause to think, hey, maybe there are some activities that I should refrain from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if like he gambling. has that level of education about it. Um, yeah. But well, I guess we'll we'll explore more as time goes on. We will. Now, I I don't want to do a you're the worst oh, segment. Okay. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I think we do, I just don't feel like this episode like dealt with addiction very well. Mm-hmm. I think they did a good job of showing the pain that a child can feel, but they didn't actually give any resources for anyone who is dealing with this. Yeah. So just so maybe you're the worst here is to the writers, writers. (laughs) Well, if I was going (laughs) to say you're the worst, I would say you're the worst is addiction, but I kind of don't want to be that glib about it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I just want to, to give a couple of resources. As I said, like if you're as a child, or um, someone who's dealing with someone who has addiction, um, you know, I would look into Al-Anon, that's two words, and uh, you can look at uh, Adult Children of Alcoholics, ACA, you know, and if you yourself um, have any type of, you know, most types of addiction problems, you can go to a site, um, you can just Google it, it's called In The Rooms, and they have AA, they have um, NA, they have Al-Anon, they have ACA, they have Overeaters uh, Anonymous, um, like they have all kinds of different resources, but it's still mainly focused on AA. Um, And there's like meetings and groups and people you can kind of talk to and get to know people and read the resources that are there. And so what I wanted to do, um, since we are talking about step work, um, people may not know what that is or how AA works or like what, what Ben's dad was trying to do or go through. Um, And so, you know, I just wanted to read um, how it works, which is, you know, sort of the part of the literature around how how AA works. Um, So it's called how it works, and you can find it online. 
says, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those too who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. At some of these, we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, and powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove all our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Many of us exclaimed, 
What an order. I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. That we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. That probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. That God could and would if he were sought. So I would, I mean, those are the 12 steps. When you hear them talking about step nine, uh, that, that is the step where you make direct amends unless it is going to harm uh, someone or, you know, really the person you're making amends to or someone else. And it happens obviously after step eight, which is making a complete inventory of every person you've ever harmed and how you did it and how you take like you're accountable for it um so as i said like six months seems short and and i just wish that they had uh maybe dealt with this in a more nuanced manner because there are many people who who feel this pain that Ben is feeling, who have this reaction to parents who are alcoholics. And over time, it is possible to like start to have relationships again, but you have to rebuild that trust. You know, it, and it, I, I think it is, you know, just helpful to understand what's going on with the other person if you, in fact, do want to have a relationship with them. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Ben and his father and Felicity. Um, but there, you know, there is backsliding. There, there's relapse. There's, you know, not being perfect and if Ben maybe was a little more prepared for that and had people besides Felicity to talk to um, about their experiences with it, it might be uh, maybe something that doesn't cause him as much pain and helps him to create his own barriers and understand what is like his to take care of. Um, and that it's not personal. It is a disease. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that does not in any way like take away from the things that his dad has done especially if he's you know physically abusing him and all you know psychologically and all of all of that stuff it doesn't take away from that that's still wrong um but it adds a layer of nuance i think mm -hmm. okay well thank you for sharing that definitely adding some information that they didn't give us in the episode that's for sure yeah but well Let's head into our favorite segment. After you listen to this tape, you have to erase it. Yay. I'm so, so, I'm so glad we get this after like such a heavy, I feel like the episode got very heavy. It, yeah, it did. <laughs> it definitely did. 
Um, And we have some thoughts from some of the things we said about the first episode of the season. So first of all, we have a few people who weighed in on the, on the new credits and Uh boy, is this inconclusive. So, okay, here we go. Um, From at insta.mickey. I missed you guys. And I will start by saying I hate the opening for seasons three and four. It's super cringy. And I love the opening from the previous seasons. That was JJ accepting the critics and succumbing. The only thing I love in the credits is in the end, Felicity and Ben are in their own world laughing. I do love that scene yeah, with the two of them it. together. And I, and I like, there's a, there's a few others that I, I like in the credits, but yeah. Yeah. I like that they ended it with that. Yeah. Um, on the other side, we've got at Disneyland who's saying, I love, love, love the new theme song. Okay. One and one. Okay. Now we've got uh, some, some comments from at Colleen.Tempest. I love both theme songs. <laughs> I couldn't even pick a favorite. They both embody the show and the time. Also, I read Richard's comment about the theme park characters the same as fish. I immediately thought of him hitting on Minnie Mouse and then coming out, coming <laughs> to find out he was a guy. Yeah. Okay. Look, some people's brains just work that way. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, and for those who are comparing, I thought that Richard himself was Minnie Mouse. But you know what? Neither... All interpretations are fun interpretations. To yeah, honest. I was going to say, like, neither of those, like, doesn't bring me joy. Yeah, they're so, great. So, <laughs> I mean. So we have a few Natalie comments, and I think I'm going to save most of them for the next time we get Natalie. But I will, I wanted to share this one from at Anna underscore gone underscore bananas underscore (laughs) at Anna gone bananas Um, on Natalie. I say, why not? This is the time for trial and error and living and figuring out what you like or don't like. So just as a general comment about Noel's experience here. That is the way I felt at the beginning of the summer, right? At the end of last season, I was like, she's gorgeous you just got out of this thing with ruby like go have some fun and then he, they got married yeah yeah so maybe a little too much fun a little less fun have a little less fun Noel. slightly less yeah yeah maybe have fun within the context of your four-year plan i don't know uh, yes. write it in. <laughs> yeah, write it into your four-year plan. Okay, just cross out like whatever job internship in between <laughs> junior and senior year, and just put fun. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Natalie. Natalie is. He's going to have adventures with Natalie that he or has had adventures with Natalie that he never would have had. You know, I think that this is um, part of his experiences. And, you know, maybe when he gets some distance from all this, he gets to decide how much of that he liked and wants to bring with him. So, I don't know. Exposure to an alternate universe (laughs) is pretty much what that is. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with Natalie. I just... 
they're not compatible. And I Natalie feel like- seems lovely and, and nice and respectful and uh, maybe she's they just haven't her, pried too trip. much into how compatible they really are. You know, yeah. they haven't gone too deeply with those discussions, but. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, all right, Fish, it's time for us to rate this episode. Did you want to jump in first? Hmm. Okay. Well, as we know, I think there were some issues with it, mm-hmm. but I also think there was some really fun stuff. I loved everything that Richard said. Mm-hmm. Everything was amazing. Um, and like hats off, or I guess shirts off to Tracy. Um, that was a fun scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still intrigued by Julie. What is going on? Where is this going to end? I don't, I don't know what it is, but like they only give us little tiny bits of it. And I'm kind of liking that. I'm like, all right, just string me along. Go ahead. It's fine. Um, did not like any of the stuff with Ben and his dad other than I, I did like this last scene where we get to see the, the real effect on Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everything else, everything else about it is bad. Okay. Um, sorry. I didn't, actually, I'm not sorry. Um, and I love the train wreck of the intervention. I love the train wreck of the celebratory dinner. Um, not such a big fan of Noel putting quite a lot on Felicity. Um, so, you know, I'm just sort of, I don't know, like I liked parts of it, but there were a lot of parts of it that I didn't like. Um, so like, despite it being fall and me just having a snifter of cognac, I am going to have to give it a six, six out of 10 gloves. Yeah. Okay. That seems fair. I'm going to rate this one in the unit of unmediated plates. Ah, all right. Well, then I hope that plate doesn't get mediated because then you'll have nothing. Well, this is going to be really tough because it's not even a whole, it's not even an integer that I'm giving this. So what? this is going to be 6.8 out of 10 unmediated plates. So ask yourself, friends, how did that happen? <laughs> I believe there was maybe like a hoppa moment, like something like that. And then like a chip smashed it on the floor off and the, yeah. Yeah. Um, part okay, of it was mediated. Uh, part of it. I think hid. Richard is a shining light. I love so many of his lines. Again, I have quoted at least one of them in the past and will continue <laughs> to do so when opportunities arise to talk about people's theories. Um, I think that in terms of the writing of this episode, I think they were trying to do so much so quickly that some of the jumps they make for these characters, it's too fast. Um, like, you know, realizations that people have 
shortly after feeling red hot emotional about it. I think in real life, it takes a bit more time for some of this stuff to marinate, to like really sit with it, to come to fruition. Even some of these realizations Noel is having, he has so much hindsight, like he has so much perspective on a situation that he's still in the middle of. And I don't know if I believe, I don't know if I believe it. Um, I, I, I just, I think it happens a couple too many times in this episode where it's like, ah, oh, we need to get from here to here quick, quick. <laughs> and they tried and they wrote it. And <laughs> I didn't, I didn't always believe that people move that quickly in their emotional life and in their understanding of the situations that they're in. So uh, while there are so many great moments, it doesn't hang together in a believable way for me. All right. So but, we're yeah. kind of similar. Yeah. And I just, you know, in terms of like damning with faint, faint praise, I really enjoyed your line of, they wrote it. I mean. Yeah, they sure did. That, that's a fact. They, they sure did. They did it doesn't go write. quite as far. Like there have been times that I've said like, that what they wrote something that I don't believe the character would do and I have to make a decision whether I think it was badly written and sort of discard that or whether I think that I I don't feel that way about anything in this I feel the timing of it unfolds too quickly so I I can believe everything that I'm seeing but I don't believe it would happen in one episode and uh in in such an expedited way like one conversation, somebody's feeling this, and then the very next day they're feeling this. So I, I, I don't discard any of the information that I got here, but I, I wonder. Yeah, I thoroughly discard just about everything that his dad does. Okay. I, I feel that's not true to any character unless they make it very clear in, in the script that this person is not following the program. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like they're just really not not doing it. Okay. <laughs> so seems fair. But All everything right. else, everything else, uh, yeah. All right, I like it. Okay, so for those of you who want to share your thoughts with us, which hopefully is everybody, we want to hear from everybody. All of the people. All of the people. So go ahead and send us your feedback or your Felicity fan art or what do you think? What do you think about things? All right. So you can do that by uh, reaching out to us at themelissafish at gmail.com. It's Melissa with one L, two S's, themelissafish at gmail.com. You can also find all kinds of cool people talking about this show on our Instagram at Felicity Podcast. And then if you want to know when new episodes of the podcast drop, you can sign up for our newsletter. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, check your show notes. There's a link in there to sign up. And while you're there, go ahead and rate or review us if that's an option where you're listening to this podcast. It just helps other Felicity fans discover the podcast and the conversations we're having. All right, Fish. Next episode is called Hello, I Must Be Going. Huh. What do you think? Hello, I must be going. Mm-hmm. That's a stopper. Um, yeah. 
Because you figure, like, Natalie's on the way out, but why is she saying hello? Um, I don't... Oh! Is it... Is this when Julie exits? Remember, not a spoiler, free podcast. It is. Oh! Wow! So we only have one more episode to figure out everything? Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yep. so I feel like the next episode is going to be heavy, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. It All is. right. Well, we'll have to have to emotionally prepare myself for that. It's, yeah. I mean, all the questions that you have about what they've been trying to tease with Julie, they're going to answer in one shot. Now, whether you feel they should answer in one shot, we'll find out. <laughs> you know yeah yeah um but i do like that they put your spidey senses up so hard in the first episode back and the second episode back you know i wasn't sure how that played so the fact that you were on your own bringing up like what is going on with julie and even just these little clips they gave of her i was like okay that at least they did that um yeah because I, mean, I don't I was have kind of the luxury of going back and watching and thinking like, like I know what's happening. So I, uh, yeah. I can't go back and forget that to watch it again. So it's seeing that you've been picking up on it, even yeah. the very little screen time they've given it. No, those have been some of my like favorite moments just because they pique my curiosity that I'm a little sad that it's like, it's all going to end already. Yeah. I guess uh, Finn's going to be back on the market. Yes, so. Yeah. I don't know how off the market he was. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. But yeah. So we're going to deal a lot with Julie there. You have a very good guess. And it's fun to see that an episode title can get you thinking like that. Yeah. I was like, who has to leave? <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to cover from this one? Oh, goodness. I don't think we have anything left. That pretty nothing much left. does it. All right. Well, until next time, fish, don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone. I'm a fish. Bye. Bye, everyone. <laughs>